Hey everyone, Ben here with a quick interruption before we get into today's episode to let you know that we have been nominated for a Sports Podcast Award. Yippee! That is very, very exciting. We are actually incredibly honoured and excited to have that nominee. And you, the listener, yes, the very person that is listening to this right now can help us win a Sports Podcast Award and get us on the podium for once rather than always being off the podium. To do so, head to sportspodcastawards.com. Dot com, register to vote, click on the Best Olympic and Paralympic Podcast category where you can then vote for us to win. Now, you will have to listen to the other nominees as well, but let's be honest, you know you're going to vote for us because you're listening to our show today, which means we know you like us and we'd very much appreciate the vote in advance. Sportspodcastawards.com, that's how you do it, and we thank you in advance. And everybody who votes for us, we promise to thank you in our acceptance speech should we win. Right now, I'm going to shut up, play some music, and then you're going to hear me talk again as we get into today's episode of Off the Podium. Enjoy. They're standing and they're applauding that dramatic performance by James Orville and Christopher Dean. Alex Philodeau. It takes a lot to make him happy and he is clearly pleased. She's up. She's moving nicely. She's got it. Podium coming to you once again for a Beijing 2022 a recap episode, day 16, the final day, and the closing ceremony. The Olympics are over. Always a sad day, and we are here to go over the final day, the closing ceremony, and everything else in between. And joining us is a man who has a penis. Uh, it's Colin Hilding. Hello, Colin. Welcome back to Off the Podium. I don't know why there I said that, go. but I just wanted to clarify for those at home who were wondering. Six years of waiting, and the, the listeners finally have confirmation that I do have a dong. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, how how are you today, Colin? Are you sad? Are you happy? Uh, it's always a, a, a sad day on the final day of the Olympics, is it not? Yeah, you know what's interesting is that... Uh, I feel like for the summer Olympics, it's not like, you know, I, I wouldn't be okay if they went for a couple extra days, but by the time you reach day 16, I'm almost like, yeah, you know what? I, I think I'm, I think I'm full. <laughs> uh, whereas I, I feel like I'm still hungry for the winter Olympics and that's just a winter Olympic thing. Um, and it's unfortunate because the way the time difference is, I kept thinking to myself, oh, there's three days left to the Olympics, like a couple of days ago. And I'm like, realize yesterday no, no no there's like two days left no no there's secondly one day left because when you look at the tv coverage you're like oh yeah we still got primetime coverage all the way through sunday night but then i realized that saturday night's the last night of live competition so uh it creeps up on you um it was a good last day though uh i like uh you know less events because uh, it means a little bit more focus you, you don't have to worry although cbc had a hard time juggling uh last night we'll, we'll kind of talk about that a little bit but uh um 
I'm also a little bit more okay with the Olympics being over now that we've witnessed the uh, closing ceremonies, which might be worse than Pyeongchang. <laughs> did, did we witness the closing ceremony? I believe I uh, <laughs> went to the bathroom at one point and it was over. Um, <laughs> it was That was quick, uh, um, which is something we generally shouldn't complain about uh, because I still think Rio's finishing. But look, I... I don't even want to sit here and complain anymore because I just feel like this is mm. what ceremonies are now. Like there, there's no point in having a whinge um, because literally what does a ceremony incur now? It's <laughs> welcome to the ceremony, insert opening or closing here. Here's a 10-minute light show which we claim is cultural. Then we welcome the athletes and the countries. Then we play an anthem. Then there's some kids singing something. Then Thomas Bach speaks for 45 minutes and then we'll see you in Milan. Like, I mean, it's just, it's yeah. just, I mean, I was thinking about this, um, like the, the, the noughties were the golden period of ceremonies, I think, um, like from mm-hmm. Sydney through to London. Um, I mean, Sochi wasn't bad. Like, well, let's go to Sochi from, from Sydney through to Sochi. Like that was peak yeah. ceremonies. We didn't have a bad one really like. It just now, I mean, Rio onwards, we just haven't had anything good. You know, again, that you're having a bad time when the Gold Coast opening and closing ceremonies are better than anything Olympic that we've had in the last six years. Um, I don't even know what to say, Colin. That was just so underwhelming. Yeah, you know, I kind of had the same feeling as you did going in. Like, oh, I don't want to be like the guy for the third Olympics in a row is just complaining. Oh, that was lame. But, but. There's nothing to it. And I think these ones for me are particularly disappointing because we've had an opening closing ceremonies without any cultural aspects at all. The culture aspects are very minimal. Uh, And the music choices, again, I mean, let's let's just acknowledge our German overlords of the sliding (laughs) events uh, by playing (laughs) Beethoven for uh, an hour and 40 minutes straight. Um, but this is kind of what makes me miss Pyeongchang now because they at least had some of those cultural elements, uh, and you know, same thing in Rio. And this just felt like it was a, an opening closing ceremonies that was produced somewhere else in the world. Um, I, I will say, I think that it was a conscious effort on their part to maybe not alienate themselves any more than they already are politically. Uh, let's just make something that is accessible for everybody. Uh, but uh, even the, you know, the, the athletes coming in, it was just so chaotic and, and brief. Um, I'm still looking for Isabel. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if she's out there our, our closing ceremony flag bear. Uh, I caught one or two athletes on the field and, uh, even we'll, we'll, we'll let, we'll talk about Paris or not Paris, um, uh, Milan, Milan in a few minutes. Milano Cotina. Yeah, uh, the highlight of uh, these closing ceremonies, but still kind of a letdown. It's just, yeah, I don't want to be yeah. the complaining, the complaining old guys again. Except <laughs> this is what it is, and move on. Why are we even but, doing this episode? But the thing is, Colin, we can be because uh, if, it's just what? Why do people go on social media and go, "Oh, this is so spectacular"? Like, what are they watching? <laughs> like, I just I don't understand people's eyes in 2022 because, like. Maybe mm-hmm. we are just those old guys who have grown up on the Olympics and have witnessed greatness. Like, I'm thinking, like, we obviously do this in the opening ceremonies, but again, like, let's go over some closing ceremony highlights we've had over the last, you know, 20 odd years. Sydney, barrel of fun. You had freaking Kylie Minogue coming out in a giant thong. You had Paul Hogan, mm-hmm. Elle McPherson, you know, just like 
it was fun. Like Salt Lake City, you had giant fucking dinosaurs voiced by the Osmonds. You had Bon Jovi, you had Kiss. Like, I mean, come on. That was like epic. Athens. Can't even oh, remember wow. Athens' closing ceremony, to be honest, but I think it was good. Um, I remember the opening <laughs> ceremony. Um, Turin, you had fucking Ricky Martin. You had Ricky mm-hmm. fucking Martin. He's not even Italian. And he was singing in the closing ceremony. Um, London, you had the Spice Girls and One Direction. Vancouver, you had Avril Lavigne. You had Nipple, Nickel, Nippleback. Well, they're Nickelback. lovely there too. <laughs> Nickelback. You had Alanis Morris. You had the greatest hits of Canada on display. Michael Bublé. Like, God, Vancouver closing ceremony might be my favourite closing ceremony of all time. Um, and, like, now, even even Sochi, you had the giant freaking bear. And, like, every, where was the giant Bing Dwen Dwen? Like, yeah. come on. It's just. It, yeah. And it's yeah. also disappointing because, like, the 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 creative director or whatever for these opening closing ceremonies uh uh Zhang Yumu he is like the most spectacular director uh in China and and probably one of the ones most well known outside of China as well i mean he made the movie with Jet Li called Hero years ago that was a massive hit another one which i think is probably the best foreign language film of all time House of Flying Daggers i mean he is known for spectacle he is known for putting on a show even in his movies and the, I think the thing that was most disappointing to me with this was how few people were involved in the presentations. Mm. Uh, and even for the Milan side, you know, uh, coming soon, <laughs> um, do, could we have had more than two people out there? Like, cause they get lost in the shuffle. And when we have such a huge visual aspect, it, it looked like America's got talent to me, you know, yeah. we've got yeah, this incredible point. big screen on the, the, the ground, on the field, that dwarfs any person that's out there. Like, where's the human element? I could just be watching a YouTube video if I wanted to see a video presentation. And we've already seen some people in the closing ceremony are doing the whole, like, what you see versus what we see. So, like, yeah. you know, you see the big snowflake and yet you send the video aspect of it where you kind of see, like, they've got superimposed stuff on there. It's, um, yeah, it, it just, it doesn't really appeal to the masses and what you see and, and, like, people can use a COVID excuse, but I don't even put the COVID excuse no. on it. Like, it's just, I mean, Pyeongchang was a letdown, but, I mean, Pyeongchang was a highlight of this three-cycle of Asian host cities because we yeah. thought that Tokyo was going to blow us away being in Japan with technology. No, that was, I, I still stand by that Tokyo was the worst of the three. Um, and yet and Tokyo's, then, um, uh, Tokyo's presentation in Rio was spectacular. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and then, you know, then we thought, okay, well, Beijing won't let us down because we know how good they were in 2008. And then here we are. Um, so, I mean, we've got a couple of European Olympics now, uh, and LA, surely. I mean, we just saw the Super Bowl the other day in LA. That was pretty good. Um, and then Brisbane will save the day. Uh, Australia never lets anyone down. And then Vancouver slash Salt Lake in 2030 as well. The last time Los Angeles had the Olympics, a UFO flew over the stadium so jetpack you know wasn't it as well in uh in los angeles i believe from him and that was when john yeah. williams created the the iconic olympics theme so yeah to summon the heroes uh it, like you you really have to think that we're gonna get something good but again we said that about the last three games well i'm saying this now like i i'm i don't know if we've really talked about it on the show the fact that paris is having this unique opening ceremony on a river they're not having it in a stadium of yeah. course which I'll be honest with you. When I heard that, I'm like, oh, I'm not a fan. Don't like the idea of that. That doesn't sound good. Fucking bring it on. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I got to say now after the last few um ceremonies, I'm like, I can't be any worse. Like put a bunch of French people on the river with some baguettes and some croissants and like 
sing, you know, like bring it on, I say. Um, I just also want to say, we'll talk about the Milan aspect. And I actually want to talk about one thing about the Canadian uniform. I think we're the problem, as we always are. You know, we've got a curse on the Olympics in terms of, uh, you know, gold medalists from Australia, at least now. Canada can win gold. But let's be honest, ever since we've been on air, the ceremonies have sucked. So yeah. uh, it's our fault. <laughs> uh, it's our fault, Colin. We are the reason why opening and closing ceremonies at the Olympics now suck. Yeah, if, if anybody out there wants a good opening ceremonies, find a way to cancel us. Ben has said yeah. plenty of things throughout 230, 40 episodes that warrant us being canceled. So get rid of our show and you'll get your own. We're, we're holding the, the world ransom now. We're yeah. daring you to cancel us. And you know how well that works for us over on 007 when we threaten things. <laughs> that clearly works the trade. I think out of the like 200 countries in the world, I've offended about 122 of them. So um, you're Oh, you're going to offend another Uzbekistan. one today. I know it. Uh, come on. <laughs> Trust me, I just want to put a warning out there. If you're from New Zealand today, tune out now. Um, (laughs) I will back you, New Zealand. I've got your back. Oh, I I really don't think you will after today, after the facts I'm going to bring. Um, Before we talk about Milan, uh, the Canadian uniform, so you kind of went for like a reverse, you had like this grey sort of silver, almost like a Mm Bond-style outfit or something like that. Did you see the cool little uh, trick pocket that was involved in the Canadian uniform? Was this shown on your coverage? No, no. So there was a pocket underneath the hood which contained the Canadian flag. You unzipped it and you pulled out a Canadian flag which was attached to the jacket. I thought that was really cool. So uh, props to Team Canada for a a Lululemon. You came through the goods all of a sudden, unless that was one of the carbon sports uniforms, which props to them. But uh, (laughs) I thought that was a really cool idea. So that's why so many of the Canadians had the big Canadian flag behind their back. Yeah. I was wondering about whether or not the flag was part of the uniform, and now you've confirmed it for me. Um, I will say it's the best thing I've seen Lululemon produce, mostly because it it looked simpler, but it also looked really comfortable. Like, mm. I was looking at these jackets that come, I don't wear, I think I mentioned this a couple of days ago, like, I haven't worn a, an actual jacket in five or six years. I just wear a hoodie, uh, even if it's minus 40 outside, which it is today. I wore a hoodie outside. I wore two hoodies outside. Um, but I would buy that jacket. So when I, tomorrow, go to the Lululemon store, uh, I will be checking it out and seeing if I can pick one up for $980. I like the silver one better than their opening ceremony one. So uh, for oh, sure. If, much better, yeah. If if um, they've got it on sale, Colin, for anything less than $1,000, um, you still don't buy the <laughs> one. I can't afford that. I still haven't got my one from freaking Tokyo yet. So uh, we're... <laughs> We're, we're gradually waiting for that. Um, actually, before we sort of talk about Milan, we should mention the flag bearers for Australia and Canada. So, Isabel uh, Wiedemann, uh, Wiedemann uh, so she was your... Yeah, they've changed the pronunciation here. I wanted to mention that. What What is the, the first... pronunciation as of this minute? Well, at this minute, they're not pronouncing it Wiedemann, which right. um, for the first three or four days of the games, it was Wiedemann every single time she was mentioned on air. Uh, so come on, you need a researcher like Ben Waterworth that's well, willing to actually find a YouTube video where somebody pronounced it themselves. Well, it, it's actually funny you talk about that because I've experienced this kind of firsthand, the whole pronunciation thing, because like there are moments where literally Joe would be like, how do you pronounce this person? I'm like, don't ask me. Uh, but like you would go onto <laughs> YouTube and you would find, say, like an interview. And this is what I generally do on this show as well. Um, And often you go by on an interview with that person or if they've got a video saying like, hi, I'm Isabel Wiedemann and I'm like, if they're saying it, generally it's correct. So there were multiple occasions where I got the name pronunciation for Joe based on what the athlete themselves are saying on YouTube. Then all of a sudden she'd be doing an interview with one of the expert commentators and they'll be like, no, it's pronounced this way. And I was like, (laughs) "Uh, that's not what the athlete themselves says, but we'll go with it. Um, But the one, the most unique one that I actually experienced was 
um, Kiara, what we said, Radingus on this show, because um, that was based on my research when we interviewed her. And, you know, okay, that's how her name was pronounced. Seven, like, checked everything. They actually ended up calling up her parents <laughs> to find out <laughs> there was a Radingus, uh, basically, was the actual. Sounds like a Harry Potter spell. Yeah, it does, right? Uh, Radingus. So um, it was kind of interesting seeing that firsthand of them having to go through the levels of uh, pronunciations and that. But, um, oh, breakfast time. Uh, <laughs> There's even what? Canadian bacon on here. Oh, what a movie that is. But um, was was Isabel the, the you know, popular choice? Was there anyone else that you kind of think got snubbed? I mean, what, did she get three medals? So I think she's uh, pretty much a shoe-in, right? As I chew my Canadian bacon. Um, <laughs> it's great, it's fucking fantastic. Um. <laughs> All right, so uh, I would kind of mention yesterday, I think Max Perot was the favorite. Um, I didn't see him. I also didn't see 90% of our athletes in the CPC coverage, so I don't know if he was there, but he. I have nothing against Isabel, but um, more against when she was selected, when the announcement was made, first of all, CBC completely dropped the ball. Uh, it was promoted that it was going to be announced at like 7.15 Eastern time. So 6.15 uh, PM or something like that for uh, us here in Winnipeg. And CBC didn't cover this. So I was tuned in. My children are running all over the place crying because they can't watch cars or Peppa Pig or whatever else they're trying to watch. And I'm just like, come on, I'm waiting to see this. And all of a sudden, I'm like, it's like 720 or whatever. And I look up and like, no, they announced it online. Come on, just give us the coverage. There's no reason to not give us the coverage. But um, when she was announced, it was, oh, she has become only the third uh, speed skater in history to win three medals in one Olympics for Canada. And I'm thinking, poor Stephen Dubois (laughs) literally did the same thing in these Olympics and literally is going home with the full set, just like she is a gold, silver and bronze. Um, a lot of people have been saying, you know, nobody's knocking her as a choice, but what is it? Are we not allowed to have two flag bears for the closing ceremonies or something? I, I don't think it was. I Yeah, I don't know if they've ever. I, I think it became an optional thing for the closing ceremony. I think because they made it optional, I think, for the opening ceremony this year as well. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Because I would think if the criteria is she won three speed skating medals, she won a gold, silver, and bronze. We have a guy who did the exact same thing. Also the same thing in a team event for the gold, individual events for the silver and bronze. Like they literally are identical. They check all the boxes. Um, my only real problem is that we, this is our third speed skater in a row we've technically had. Our closing ceremonies, one for Pyeongchang was a speed skater. Charles Hamlin for the uh, opening ceremonies, one. And then um, uh, now Isabel for the closing ceremonies. I, I kind of want to spread it around a little bit. Uh, it would have been nice to put them both out there. I, I still think the obvious choice was Max Perot and Sarah Nurse. Uh, but uh, I, again, it's Canada speed skating, which I guess on that note, I, I talked about how Brad Gushu kind of saved curling for Canada here. I mean, he would have been a great choice just because of how vocal he's been and how emotional he's been about this. Uh, but um, with uh, with the speed skating, it was like, I think almost a weekend where I was saying the biggest disappointment for Canada so far is our performance in speed skating. Like we've had a lot of medals we thought we would take that haven't worked out. And Canada ends up in these Olympics, mostly through the second week here with nine speed skating medals. That that's more than a third of the medals we won in this Olympics were speed skating. And I was saying how disappointing it was for speed skating a couple of days in. So I guess we're going to award a sport. Let's give it to a speed skater again. It's, 
It's interesting sort of that, I, I mean, did many of your athletes leave? Like, was it sort of announced? Like, have you got like many of your athletes like back in Canada being interviewed and things like that that, you, that you're aware of? Like you're mentioning about Max Pro, whether you didn't know he was there or not. Like, because uh, I'm very publicized yeah. here that the majority of our medalists are, I mean, three of them are back in Australia. One of them is in New York. So none of the medalists are there. So hence why none of the medalists were our closing ceremony flag bearer. Yeah, you know, the ones that we know for sure are the speed skaters and the hockey players and the curlers. Um, they're still there because they were still competing. Um, Max has been completely silent on social media since he won his last medal, like completely silent. So uh, I don't know if he was still an option or not. Um, I, I know most of the athletes from the first week have already come home. I kind of was holding out hope that it was going to be Max because uh, all the media coverage was basically, I don't know if you get the same thing, they'll put up like, who do you think should be the flag bearer? And they'll yeah. put the favorites. Max Perot was mentioned as one of the favorites the entire time. Um, but I mean, if he came back, he's probably just a very private guy. Who knows? Well, I mean, that was the issue with us is that, as I said, none of our medalists were there. I mean, Jakara is the obvious choice. Long home. Um, she was like one of our first athletes home. Um, Scotty James buggered off back to New York, uh, putting on social media, living the life in penthouses in Central Park with, with Chloe, as you do. Um, and yeah, both Jackie and Tessa are also back in Australia. So Who did you have, I didn't even see. Well, I wanted it to be Brie just cause I thought, well, Brie got fifth. So there you go. And then I, I think we did mention last night, Sammy Kennedy Sim, our, um, our ski cross athlete who, uh, eighth, obviously in the small final against her third Olympics. So she ended up getting the nod, which look, I mean, oh, so it's one of those, like, let's give it to the veteran. Yeah. Like I, I would assume that was their, their choice, which I think. Poor Phil Bellingham, our cross-country skier at his third Olympics, um, you know, uh, robbed there. But, like, Sammy's also a very popular member of our team. You know, I don't think there's a single member of the Olympic team that doesn't like her. I mean, Greta Small, again, another three-time Olympian. So there's a few three-time Olympians. I think if it was results-based, Bree should have got the nod again for getting fifth in the monobob. But um, Sammy Kennedy Sim, another off-the-podium <laughs> guest. So uh, basically uh, three, all three Australian flag bearers at the Beijing Olympics are off-the-podium guests. So we might not be getting the gold medalists, but we're getting those flag bearers and off the podium. So we said this last night. You want to be a flag yeah. bearer coming off the podium. The 100% <laughs> track record for uh, off the podium guests. But yeah, no, Sammy Sammy got the nod. So uh, well done, Sammy. Um, yeah, the Milan presentation. Um, oh. Like, I... <laughs> I, I, I like the Paris one, and I said I think I said my only concern of that was that like we crossed live to Paris, like I wanted it to be in the stadium, but again, that was ten times better than we got. Like the the video is kind of cool that the Italian national anthem sung by that woman and the violin guy was amazing, um, and we had what two people dancing with some visual aspects on the on the floor again. It's like okay, cool, come to my like this is Milan, isn't like the fashion capital of the world. Like I want like models walking in there and like rubbing Gucci in my face and stuff like that. I don't know. Like, I mean, it's just, again, it was like, Hey, come to Milano. It's like, sure. If I have to like <laughs> twist my arm, like at least with Paris, like you had the, the freaking prime minister standing on there. <laughs> like that was epic. Hey, I want the prime French... minister. Hey, prime minister, come to Paris. Um, like, I don't know. There was just something more endearing about all the French. Like here I am talking about France again. What's going on? Like, Eh, sure, Milan, if I have to. That should be the motto of it. Uh, well, starting with the video, um, one thing I did find hilarious was the, the I think it's, I think it was the two mayors who were giving the, the, the final, like, you know, they great. <laughs> well, like, what I didn't understand is this is sort of the stereotype when you're speaking to somebody in a different language, you just speak slowly, like, 
It's like, how are you today? That, that's the way they both were. And I, I'm pretty sure that one of them was speaking in Italian and the other one was speaking Mandarin because it kind of sounded like the second one was. But like they both were very like, you know, come to Milan 2026 Mario Luigi. Uh, but the the Jets at the end, I mean, it was a cool visual. But again, we just saw Jets in Paris. And I think the Paris video did it better with the Jets. Um I also found the first part of the video where it was just zooming over all the slopes and all that. It really made me dizzy. Like they're they, they going a little overboard with like the camera tilts and all that. Uh, the, the, the dancers or whatever um, big problem with that, because you had two people out there. This was even worse than the stuff that uh, the, the Chinese uh, presentation was doing in the closing ceremonies. You have two people, you have the entire floor lit up with graphics and your dancers are wearing matching colors to the floor graphics. Like, mm. I can't imagine how bad, the, it looked bad on camera. I can't imagine how bad it looked in the stands. Would you even be able to see these people? Uh, but 100% the national anthem, and I, I'm pretty sure I've said this on the show before, my favorite national anthem in the world is Italy. And the main reason for that is because my, my fondest memories outside of, you know, the, the Canadian moments of uh, the Turin Olympics was every time Italy won a gold medal, when you would have the crowd singing along and just the enthusiasm, because they have one of those national anthems that you can uh, just belt yeah. it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's just amazing. So uh, I love the national anthem part. That was the highlight. The highlight of the closing ceremonies was the Italian national anthem. I would rank the Italian national anthem top five, probably top three. And to me, a lot of that comes from as a Ferrari fan growing up, uh, watching Michael Schumacher win a lot. You would have the German national anthem followed by the Italian national anthem and Seeing Italians sing that as Ferrari fans, it's something else. Um, and yeah, so uh, the Italian national anthem is a, is a is a passionate national anthem. So absolutely agree with you. Um, but yeah, the, why in a presentation for a Winter Olympics where we all hanging out by the ocean or the, the the canals and celebrating summer, like hey, come to Milano, look at the beautiful cafes, come and the pizza, and it's like the fucking Winter Olympics, mate. Like, come on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you want to see some type of presentation. And again, the first part of it did show the snow, the slopes and everything. It showed a little bit of the venues, but um, this video, like, was it put together six months ago? Like I can imagine that if the, I thought, okay, well maybe because this video uh, or whatever is a last minute thing, maybe they were meant to have a big presentation there because of COVID they called them off, but it makes even less sense in that case because this video was clearly shot months ago. Um, it's, you want to see what they're going to do with winter. I don't remember what Beijing's, um, Beijing's uh, was underwhelming. I think it was just a, from what I remember, it was like a, a video of happy Chinese people. And then a weird thing in the center <laughs> of the stadium, like basically what we just saw tonight. Yeah, exactly. And, and we also got a bunch of children tonight too. Um, yeah, well, that's, that, you that's you get it. Children are the future. I fucking listened to Whitney Houston. I get it. Can we just finally, uh, fine, you want to put a children's choir out there, but like we basically had three sections to the Chinese closing ceremonies as far as like the the the, the Chinese presentation and all three were just children's choirs. Uh, like some variety. I, I'm fine, you want to put a children's choir out there, fine, but give us something else for the other sections. Put a bunch of grandmas out there, like the granny choir. The granny like, choir. Know, like Chinese grannies. Those kids have got their entire lives ahead of them to be in a fucking choir. There's a bunch of aging grannies there in China, probably going to be dead within the next six months, and they could have been singing in the closing ceremony. Like, just ripped off the granny choir of Beijing. That's all I can say. Do you? Am I the weird one that, like, 
I look, you watch the Milan presentation, then I always think like, oh, this time in four years, we're going to get to see the presentation for, well, we don't know, insert Vancouver or Salt Lake City yeah. here. But like, so like, it's kind of like with some ones, we're in that unique period where we know the next few. So it's like, oh, in Paris, we get to see the LA one. And then oh, in LA, we get to see the Brisbane one. Like, it's kind of that weird little thing where it's like, you don't want the Olympics to end, but you always get excited. Like, I, I legitimately remember uh, Turin. Being so excited for the Vancouver one. I'm like, oh my God, Vancouver. Like, it's Canada. I love Canada. And then Avril Levine walks in. I'm like, Avril Levine. Uh, She's got a disease. <laughs> I don't think she did in 2006, did she? Um, but uh, the disease is called Chad Kroger. Um, <laughs> they're, not, they're not together anymore. Canada's still mourning the loss of their first couple. Um, but yeah, Milan. Yeah. And the yeah. logo is shit. I can't wait till we do our ranking. You didn't like the... it? No, like I like we're gonna. I we did our medal one, obviously, and I, I think we mentioned our next one will be ranking the logos. But like I'm gonna say, the the logos to me in the Olympics are kind of going the way of the ceremonies. I I don't know when we last had a good Olympic logo. Like Rio Vancouver. was decent. Well, Vancouver was a great logo. Um, Rio London's was a good was logo. Right. Yeah, Lisa Simpson giving a blowjob. Once you see that, you never unsee it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Pyeongchang, Fair. boring. Tokyo, I mean, it was better than the first one they put up, but it was still kind of crap. Be- Beijing was okay. Actually, Beijing's not bad. Don't mind See, Beijing. I, and I don't like Beijing. To me, Beijing looks like font from 2003. What, <laughs> what I, oh, what I like about the Milan logo, it, it, it is weird that the the city name is so drastically different from the 2026 part of it. You know, it looks like mm. you had two different people working on a logo and they just mash them up together. But I love the way the 2026 looks on there. Eh, I'm not a, I'm not a fan. Paris is a bit like regal. It's a bit like, you know, elegant. I think it's grown. French. I, it's a bit French, but I, I like the color because I think they kind of got like a black and gold. And I love black and gold together. I think that's, they're two of my favorite color combinations. The LA ones are too, like, I don't know if you've seen them, but they, they've got like five different stylized versions of it. And I'm not a fan of the LA ones. Um, but anyway, the ranking, the logos, we'll do it eventually. But uh, tell you one thing, Sochi 2014, I'm looking at you as absolute garbage, um, which I think you said you like the Sochi one. Like, what is wrong with you, Colin? Well, I, I, I wouldn't say I love the Sochi one. I I, I kind of appreciate it. I kind of like the, the Sochi dot RU. Like, the, <laughs> it's cheesy, but it, it, it's different. Lazy. It here, here I, I'm trying to think, what's the best way to describe this? It's kind of like what I was saying about the Turin medals, you know? It's not that it's a great medal, but you remember it. And, and it's not like you remember it how bad it is. I can picture the Sochi logo the way I could picture the Turin medals. Fair point. All right. I'll give you that. Um, final day of competition, though. Uh, anything else to add on the closing ceremony before I move on? Uh, I wanted to. Uh, I mean, we'll or? have some commentary stuff coming up later, so I can save that. I will be completely honest. I didn't see a word of Thomas Bach's speech. Uh, sorry, Thomas Bach, Olympic <laughs> oh, medal of fencing. It. Um, I, 1976 uh, fencing. <laughs> I I did not watch any of it. I I think I left the room and did something else. So I have no clue what he said. Um, but yeah, well, well there's a few things about the closing ceremony I talk about with uh, Channel Seven as well. Final day of the competition. Uh, Finland did it. Finland, yes, Team Finland, gold medal. Suck it, Russia. Suck it, ice hockey world. <laughs> They've finally done it. Helsinki is celebrating. I went to one of the Finnish news websites and the Finns are on the streets. They were celebrating. I messaged my Finnish friend. Imagine. And uh, you know what he said to me when I said to him, like, yeah, go Finland. He literally replied, fuck Putin. So uh, <laughs> that was Putin or Putin? 
as, as as in the fearless leader, don't invade uh, Ukraine. Um, but oh god, I I was watching this and I got a bit worried when they went one nothing down. I'm like, no, no, not again. But they did it, Colin. Finland gold medalists get on board the Finns. Yeah, um, I mean it's very exciting for them. Uh, I said I would be fine with either country winning. I, I think that Russia winning kind of makes a statement. You know, this isn't secondary men's hockey. Finland winning is a great like underdog story. Not as good as an underdog story as Slovakia. Let's just say that. But being their first one, it's obviously fantastic. Um, my only disappointment is that uh, I was wide awake for the women's gold medal game. I was wide awake that entire night. Uh, we talked about that in the episode. That was my most memorable daily Olympics. My disappointment with this has nothing to do with uh, the, the, the game itself or the winners, but just, I wish I could have seen more of it because um, I, I put this on in bed. I, you know, used our Chromecast. I cast it to the TV and the CBC sports app was just disconnecting. Like every 10 minutes, I had the same problem trying to watch the curling earlier in the night. Uh, so I'm in bed trying to watch this and it just keeps freezing up and disconnecting constantly during the whole, I barely saw anything in the first period. Eventually I just gave up and said, I'm just going to watch this on my phone. So I'm watching on my tiny screen, on my phone. I drifted off during the end of the second period. I was awake during most of the third period, drifted off for a couple of minutes. So I know that I missed some of this game. I'm, I'm interested to go back and rewatch the game again to see how good we get. Cause it was, it was a tight score. And this isn't mm. like the, um, uh, I guess the other two big games we had the, the women's gold medal game and then the uh, Slovakia uh, win, you kind of knew who was going to win uh, with this one. It was a lot closer. So um, it, it looked like it was an exciting game and yeah, great for Finland. I'm sure Timu Solani is celebrating right now. Oh, what a man, what a man. Um, I make a keep us off as well. Someone's out there protecting goals and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, great, great for Finland. And uh, yeah, Slovakia, obviously we don't have uh, Jared here. We'll talk to him tomorrow night about it, but uh they're not winning, was it 2 nothing over Sweden as well? So uh, I think they scored a goal just after we got off air last night. It ended and then, up 4 nothing at the end. Oh, was it 4 nothing? was it? Oh, I, mm-hmm. I, I sort of didn't really watch any of much of it. Um, Literally, at the, like the last couple minutes, they got two more goals. Which, again, their first ever medal in uh, ice hockey, men's or women's at the Olympics. So uh, good job for them. And Sweden just unfortunately couldn't, couldn't get that one. But... Uh, well, I'm guessing you were happy with that, seeing a new medalist yeah. in a similar... I mean, Germany wasn't a new medalist four years ago, but it was obviously the best that ever did. But, um, you know, similar story almost to Germany four years ago. Yeah, and uh, they're going to be the new stars of the hockey world. I, I, that, that's not even necessarily a joke. It, it's it's one of these things where when you have success in something, I mean, Canada's experienced this. I'm sure Australia is going to experience this now. Uh, we've been talking about it a lot during these Olympics. When you have success you haven't had before, it means that you have a whole new interest from the next generation. And the good thing is in a sport like hockey, the next generation is really only one or two Olympics away. Mm. So I'm excited to see what we're going to get possibly in Vancouver uh, from mm. Slovakia. They could end up being another dominant team that, that we just expect every single Olympic. Oh yeah. Slovakia is definitely in the mix. It's good to see the half of Czechoslovakia that everybody actually likes has uh, finally succeeded. <laughs> uh, hello to all our Czech Republic. I shouldn't say that. Esther's from Czech Republic. Ben, don't be, don't be rude. Um, in other news today, Scotland won the gold medal in curling. So oh. uh, good good for Scotland. You're happy about this? That Team Scotland won Great Britain's uh. only gold medal for these Olympics? Yeah, yeah, I mentioned a couple times. It's funny, I mentioned a couple, probably a couple times on here. I'm a big Eve Muirhead fan. Um, Jamie told me last night, she's like, I'm so sick of hearing about Eve Muirhead, these Olympics, because I've, I've probably talked about her as much as I've talked about the Canadian athletes. Uh, she's, you know, fellow celiac 
she has a disease. <laughs> she's a incredible curler, and she's got a great story too. I, I think that the the great thing about her is that it's it's unusual in the Olympics, even in, especially in curling. I would think to have so many athletes come back this many games in a row, and this is the fourth games in a row. And I think that's one of the great things about her is that you recognize her from one Olympics to the next. It's not one of these countries where they have two Olympics and then you've got a new team out there. Uh, it's always Eve Muirhead. Um, she uh, was in Sochi. She was like the youngest uh, medal winner ever for, um, or the youngest skip to ever win a medal. Um, and now she's got a gold to, to go along with that. And something I didn't even realize until the game started, you know, we were talking about how Japan was the surprise bronze medalists in Pyeongchang. I completely forgot that they beat uh, Eve Muirhead in Scotland for uh, that bronze medal. So this was like rematch of the century. And this time it came out on Great Britain side. I'm just saying she's born in Perth in Scotland. Uh, so <laughs> surprised we had the real Perth. This morning. The real Perth. But uh, well done, Scotland. Getting your first gold medals of uh, the games. Uh, good to see England didn't get a single medal these Olympics. So uh, <laughs> w- well done. Um, the other medals. So I, I like the uh, in the women's 30-kilometer freestyle, Therese Yohag. Uh, she won the last gold medal of these Olympics. Well, sort of. I guess the ice hockey was the gold medal, last gold medal Olympics. But she actually won the first gold medal of the Olympics too. So uh, that was a cool little fun fact for her. But she won the uh, women's 30 kilometers uh, in the cross country. That was her third gold medal of the Games. So uh, well done to Therese. Therese, what do you want to say that she beat? Jessie Diggins, who fresh after getting America's first ever solo female cross country medal uh, a few weeks back, she's now gotten another one, silver medal for her. And Kurtu Niskanen of Finland, the bronze. And can I just say, I like these, it's like I like the marathon. I like how they do the uh, the ceremony and the the medal ceremony in the closing ceremony. I like that little touch. I like how they do this. And got to say, I love the women's one better because every single one of those athletes was over the moon that they were winning a medal. Like, just so happy, so pumped. And yet, get to the mm-hmm. men's, and the Russians are just like, yes, we win medal for Russia. We now go to Siberia after these games. Um, although it does look very awkward when they're standing on that podium listening to fucking Tchaikovsky. Um, it, just, it just doesn't work. Something about it just well, doesn't work. The guy who won the gold, I can't remember his name, um, isn't it? They said Alexander something like this. Is yeah, like he has won, uh, he's been in nine events in his Olympic career and he has medaled in all of them. I mean, this is yes. just, it's boring to him at this point. Like at, at this point, he's like, I don't want to be here. I want to be with my fellow athletes dancing. Are we Donald Schwarzenegger. Uh- <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. All right. Okay. I thought you were going to add more to that. Um, no. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, but uh, do you like the the ceremonies in the ceremony? Oh yeah. I, I think it's appropriate to have the last medal awarded there. And maybe I'm just saying that because it's what we're used to in the Summer Olympics. Um, I, I would be for this being like a full marathon though, because to me the only thing that really takes away from this is it's a 30 kilometer distance. Um, when the summer marathon is significantly longer than this. And, and I'm not knocking cross-country skiing. As I said, I run marathons and I would much rather run a marathon than cross-country ski. It is brutal. Uh, but just the duration of it, you know, when it's an hour and 10 to an hour and 20 minutes uh, for your gold medalist, it doesn't quite feel as big as the marathon when we get in the Summer Olympics. And if these athletes are willing to do 50 kilometers, you know, like we said, uh, and we've seen before, let's make sure it's always, if it's a 30 kilometer event, eh, it's not as important, but uh, still not taking away from them. It, it's something I would want to do. I think they should have the uh, the men's ice hockey go in there and do the the, uh, the ceremony. Imagine that back in Vancouver, 
had you had the gold medal ceremony oh. happen in bloody uh, BC Place, uh, that would have gone off. I think the only problem with that is, like, you know how long it takes to award all the medals in hockey if you're doing gold, silver, and bronze. Uh, these ceremonies would be, I mean, it would have been fine here because <laughs> it still would have been under two hours. <laughs> but uh, in a regular Olympics, it might take a little long. Um, the other medals today, uh, Alpine skiing, the mixed team, Austria took the gold. Uh, Mr. Johannes Stroll's got his third medal of the games as well, part of that team. They beat Germany and Norway got third. And who do you think they beat in that bronze medal race? America. Who do you think lost one of the races in that to lose them the bronze medal? Hello, Michaela Schitfren. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think she was racing today. I honestly didn't see any of it, so I don't know if she crashed or not, but uh, I just thought that was funny. And in the four-man bob... Germany gold, Germany silver, but Canada bronze. Uh, Justin Cripps, I believe, became Canada's first ever uh, bobsledder to get a medal in the two and four man. So uh, congratulations to yeah. to him. But uh, your final well, medal of the Olympics means that you equal your second best ever total medal haul that you achieved back in Vancouver. So 26 medals in total. So uh, good job. Now, as a, as a researcher, you might um, uh, be more easily able to come up with this answer than I am, but... I believe this is only one of like maybe three or four times Canada's ever won a medal in the four-man bobsled. I think up from and, which uh, is, off the top of my head, I think they said it was a third, but I shall confirm that with you, Colin. Yeah, because I know it happened in um, it was either Nagano or Salt Lake City, and of course we had the celebratory athletes for uh, Team Emory. The first time Canada ever entered this event, they ended up as the gold medalists. Uh, so it's kind of surprising we haven't had more success. Oh, so was it Nagano or Salt Lake for the other? Uh, you got a bronze in Vancouver. Oh, Vancouver. Oh, you got the off. gold in Innsbruck. Okay. Um, but, um, you, you know, with with this event, it, it kind of looked like yesterday where we have a shot at this. Uh, Justin Cripps, there was a lot of hype behind him here. Um, so I think the country was hopeful. I was doubting it. I, I sort of thought, yeah, I don't know if we're going to get this, this what number 26 medal. Uh, but I, I again, wish that I'd have been able to watch more of this. Uh, I'll have to catch up on it after we're done recording, but, uh, the curling was going on at the same time. And basically as soon as curling ended, I switched over and it was right at that moment where they were basically showing the last one coming across. It's like, and there we go. Justin Cripps has won the bronze medal. So I didn't even get to see their run. I, I, I'm not sure uh, what their times were, if it was a decisive, it was close, but uh, still it's fantastic for us to pick up in, in one of the bobsled events that we actually struggle in more. Uh, you were 0.79 seconds off the gold and about 0.4 seconds off the silver and you beat the other German sled by about uh, 0.06 of a second into the bronze. Um, Germany, I believe won nine of the 10 sliding events. Uh, the only one that they didn't win was won by a Canadian, uh, even though she was wearing the wrong flag. Uh, so <laughs> not bad, not bad there, Germany. You, you did okay in the sliding events in, uh, in Beijing. So Germans, we love to slide. Um, you, you like to go to a water slide park with them. I was trying to think of a pun or something. Nope, not really working. Don't have Jared to rate that's, my joke. That's a three. three tops. That's a, that's a three. three. Okay. <laughs> yep. Um, so the medal table, uh, we'll put, we'll put the full one up in the next day or so, like we did with Tokyo. Uh, but I'll go through the top five and then oh, obviously here comes. Canada, 
Uh, so Norway on top, 16 gold, new record at the Olympics, uh, from uh, Winter Olympics, I should say, most gold medals ever won, uh, eight silver, 13 bronze, 37 in total. I think they got the record of 39 medals back in Pyeongchang, so they didn't quite get to their total uh, record, but are still uh, thoroughly successful games for Norway. Uh, Germany second, 12 gold, 10 silver, 5 bronze, 27 in total. Uh, China, sorry, the People's Republic of China, Nine gold, four silver, two bronze, 15 total. Great result for China. Home nation, their best ever Winter Olympics by far. USA ended up doing okay after uh, starting off a bit slowly. Eight gold, 10 silver, seven bronze, 25 in total. And Sweden ended up in the top five. Eight gold, five silver, five bronze, 18 in total. Canada needed that one more gold medal to get them into the top 10, but you finish in 11th. Four gold, eight silver, 14 bronze, 26 in total. And Australia, one gold, two silver, one bronze, four in total. 18th place, most successful ever Winter Olympics by Australia in terms of total medals won. Great job. Uh, and if you do it by total, then Canada ended up in fourth overall. Beat America, though. That's all that matters. Uh, and Australia ended up being in 17th if we do it by totals. One spot ahead of New Zealand. I'm just pointing that out, which we'll get to something with that. Uh, in Here it just... comes. No, no, we're still holding off. No, not yet. Not yet. Don't worry. Um, the lowest amount of gold medals Canada have won since uh, Lillehammer when you got three. So, but again, as I said, 26 is a equal second highest. Uh, Vancouver, you got 26. Obviously, you got 29 in Pyeongchang. So, um, I mean, again, I've said this every day, and it's obviously not a Canadian thing that you care about the golds, but uh, is it is it something that anybody has raised since, though, about, oh, we only got four gold? I mean, because the last three Olympics, you got double digits worth of golds, but now you're, yeah. you're down to four, but not obviously something that really concerns Canada. Still still no mention of it. Um, and I think had we not won as many medals as we did, it probably would have been a, a bigger concern, but... For us to come away with 26 medals, um, which is well ahead of what was projected, um, it, it's nothing that anybody in Canada is going to be complaining about the four golds. Um, if if you look at, I think Lillehammer was also when we really started to pick up in our overall total. Uh, so it, it's digits. almost was Lillehammer 13. Yeah. Yep. So I mean, it, it's almost kind of appropriate then that uh, <laughs> in our two lowest gold medals that we've had in the last 30 years, uh, that it's been all the silvers and the bronze. Well, this is the first time since, if I quickly skim over these, uh, this is the first time since you've got to go back to Barcelona slash Alberville, in which you have won less gold than you did at the Summer Olympics prior. Well, that, that wouldn't count because I guess Barcelona came after, well, same year back then. What I'm trying to say is that you got seven gold in Tokyo, and four gold in Beijing. But you did get two more medals in Beijing than you did in Tokyo. So you still got more total in the winter by two. But uh, interesting. Again, there's there's something that uh, the Canadian media can have for free. You won more gold medals at the last Summer Olympics than you did in the Winter Olympics. That hasn't happened in a long time for Canada. Yeah, and that's coming from a recently unemployed researcher. So <laughs> listen to what he has to say. <laughs> wow, Colin's bringing the burns all of a sudden. Um what, what can I say about that? Uh, but, yeah, obviously for Australia, uh, first time we won a gold since Vancouver. 
ended up with four. First time we've ever ended up with four medals. So uh, yeah, pretty pretty happy about that. I think we can uh, we can take that one there. Um, just going over the um, results for other Canadians and Australians in the final day of uh, action. So in the Alpine skiing event, Canada went out in the first round to Slovenia. Slovenia? You're also Slovenia? Come on, Canada. I, I expect better than that from you. Um, but you well, try. Even our ski jumpers like Slovenia better than Canada. Australia Australia didn't even show up, so what can I say? Uh, in the bobsleigh, uh, Christmas Springs team got ninth, uh, and that was it. Brazil got uh, 20th in that. Obviously, Jamaica didn't make it through to that round. So, um, anyway. Uh, in the cross-country skiing, Sandrine Brown for Canada was 16th. Well done, Sandrine. Catherine Stewart-Jones for Canada was 30th. Daria Beatty was 39th. Uh, Best Australian was Jess Yeaton. She was 43rd. Uh, Then Laura LeClaire for Canada was in 51st. Off the podium slash Australia's Casey Wright was in 56th. And uh, that is that for Canada and Australia. And there was nobody else in anything else today uh, for either countries along the way um just wanted to actually before i go into what we watch fails and new zealand rants and all that kind of stuff um just on the multiple medalists for these olympics so uh we actually had four athletes who got five medals now i don't know if we're really gonna do our athlete of the games today or we save that for tomorrow and then maybe i know you're probably not going to be joining us tomorrow so maybe we have to get you to like give a vote off air or something along those lines so the four athletes have got five medals in these Olympics. Obviously, we talked a bit about Quinton. Quinton Philon Malay in uh, the biathlon. He got two golds and three silvers. But then, of course, we've got Johannes tingez who does not send dick pics to children. Uh, four gold and one bronze biathlon as well. So two biathletes in there. Three biathletes, actually, because then you've got uh, Marte Olsbo Rosalind of Norway in the female biathlon. She ended up with three gold and two bronze, if you don't mind. And uh, our other bias, uh, our other cross-country skier, Alexander Bolshinov. Oh, I win a medal all the time. I'm going to be grumpy in the cross-country uh, in the closing ceremony, I should say. Three gold, a silver, and a bronze for him. Uh, and then a couple who got four medals. So Irene Shooten uh, in the speed skating. She was shooting array. She got three gold and a bronze. Uh, Tajay Bo, the other Bo brother, who also doesn't send dick pics to children. He got two gold, a silver, and a bronze. Uh, Johannes Halvert Klebo in the cross country got two gold, a silver and a bronze. Suzanne Schultling in the short track got two gold, a silver and a bronze. And then you had a bunch who got three and two along the way as well. So, I mean, you don't, you can give an answer right now if you want to Colin, or you can save it for the chat, or you can just have a bit of a thought process, but I mean, athlete of the games for you based on at least medals. Uh, I mean, it doesn't even have to be one to one five. Is there somebody you want a couple, you, you know, that you want to look at that I haven't mentioned? Clearly Eileen Good. Like I've, well, of course. I mean, the three. face of the games, as we keep hearing here on Channel 7. Nobody has ever won three medals in freestyle skiing before because nobody's ever been eligible before. Um, I actually have a list uh, right now of about six or seven athletes. Um, I kind of want to narrow it down. I'll, I'll give you guys uh, some ideas. I don't know if I really have an order uh, of where I put this in, uh, but you obviously mentioned uh, Quinton, uh, uh, Quinton Flynn. Quinton Flynn. Malay. Malay. Uh, 
yeah, I, he's on my list. JT Bo is obviously on my list. Four gold medals. That's in, insane. Um, I almost feel bad though. Like when I'm making my list, I'm like, it's a lot of cross country. Um, and it's kind of like that thing during Tokyo, like, Oh, do you want to give it to the swimmers? Cause they won the most medals. But then I think about the fact that like cross, these people are basically running marathons four or five times. Same thing with the biathletes yeah. during these Olympics. I almost want to give them more credit, you know, uh, because this isn't a sprint and uh, it's over and done with. I mean, they're running almost every two days, massive marathons i mean it's it's crazy 10 kilometers it's called the 10 kilometer sprint exactly and as i said you know i would much rather be running a marathon than uh, cross-country skiing one uh but some of the other non uh cross-country skiers i I have in here um uh i i am putting up uh, alana myers taylor uh, obviously the flag bearer for uh united states uh lifetime medals obviously it's huge it is a huge deal for her uh, in these Olympics, uh, I, I don't know if she's gotten much coverage there. Even in Canada, she's getting a ton of coverage. Uh, but the most decorated uh, bobsledder now of all time. Uh, Ariana Fontana, I'll throw in there yeah. again, just lifetime achievement, huge. Uh, one that uh, I know we briefly mentioned, but I, I think it's a huge deal because when we awarded our Tokyo's uh, athlete of the games, we gave it to um, uh, uh, we gave it to Elaine, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, Elaine Thompson. Uh, and it was because of her um, accomplishments she had across the multiple games. Uh, I've got Tobias and Tobias in the luge. I mean, those guys mm. have got the triple double, uh, yeah. which is an incredible accomplishment. So, Gosenberg, that Natalie. I mean, Tobias and Tobias have names that go together perfectly. Though. <laughs> <laughs> True, true. Yeah, look, I, I, I don't disagree. The other ones that I'm sort of, I haven't made a decision yet to be completely honest with you either, but like I'm with you with the cross country and biathlon. I mean, biathlon, I mean, God, think about that. They're doing marathons and shooting halfway through. Like, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's an amazing thing. Um, Speaking of shooting, sort of similar name, uh, Suzanne Schutling in, in the short track. You mentioned Ariana, of course, but like for a country that's so dominant in long track that they, until four years ago, the Netherlands had never won a medal in short track they finally broke that duck and then Suzanne Shortling's come out and won four medals here. Like kind of just, you know, it's scary to think that the Dutch could be just dominating the short track as much as they are the long track in a few years. So uh, I think that's pretty spectacular for her. Um, shout out to uh, Lindsay Jacobellis. Uh, I mean, just, I think just her story is fantastic. And the fact that she came out and won a second and then put everything to rest by doing the trick on the last jump, risking it all. And it's almost like, fuck you, doubters. I'm going to do this now finally to succeed. And yeah, I'm going to be completely biased and give you this next name. Esther Ledecker. I mean, she, she shattered in, in the snowboard, absolutely shattered in. And okay, she didn't get the double-double again. But, I mean, in all seriousness, she still got fifth in the Super G, uh, which is pretty incredible. The downhill, I think she would have meddled had she not fucked up and done an extra scream and semen and, you know, spun out and then kept going. And then she got fourth in the combined, an event that she just woke up one day and was like, yeah, maybe I'll do the combined. And completely sucks at slalom, but somehow managed to get fourth in that event. So, got to give props to my girl, Esther, Colin. Come on. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I would have had her as yeah. an honorable mention. Uh, I mean, obviously, she didn't have the, the success. <laughs> uh, she didn't have the success that she had in Pyeongchang, uh, if you're looking at you know, overall. But uh, the amount of events she's willing to compete in and be a real contender at, that's what's so uh, impressive about Esther. Uh, let's just be honest, though. I mean, if I almost wouldn't want to give her an athlete of the game, because if we 
eventually decide to end the show or get canceled and we do one final episode, we're giving her the athlete of life. I mean, there's Aww. no question about that. Her and Chloe. It's a fight between her and Chloe now. Come on. Queen Chloe. Oh, we kind of forget. swings. Oh, what a man. <laughs> but, uh, like I agree with you, but I, I, in some weird way, like I'm almost more impressed with Esther at these games because, like, okay, what she did in Pyeongchang was incredible, but she competed in two events, went two for two. This time around, she competed in five events and got top five in three of them. So you know no, four events. Sorry, and she got top five in. Four I want to throw out three, three of them. I want to throw out three other honorable mentions. Um, yeah, two, three, three, four, four. It'll change. She did by the well. Time I'm done talking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, a couple other honorable mentions here. I mean, we've been singing the praises of uh, Oscar Erickson, obviously. Um, let's sing his praises for a different reason. Let's throw him in the category with Jennifer Dodds and Bruce Mowat as well. Uh, those three athletes competed in every single uh, curling game that was possible for them to be at the maximum amount of time. And, I, I don't think in the history of the Olympics there's ever been athletes who had as long of a duration uh, mm. from day one of competing to the end. We're, we're talking about two days before the opening ceremonies they started and they finished on the last day. That's 18 days of constant competition in two separate events for those three athletes. So um, we have an honorable mention category. I think you, you group those three in together, Oscar Erickson, Jennifer Dodds, and Bruce Mallett. Most decorated curler of all time is Oscar Erickson in the Olympics, four medals. So... <laughs> And he's not yeah. even the skip. That just shows you what this man's oh, capable of. <laughs> what a beautiful next James Bond right there. Uh, Oscar Eric. When we do our 007 next James Bond episode coming soon, uh, his, his name is, is going up there. Um, what did we watch today, Colin? Nope, he's choking. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, I watched Colin choke. I, I, really only, uh, I really only had time to watch. The, the curling was what I wanted to watch last night. Uh, very disappointed that I couldn't watch it on the uh, the projector because the the CBC app kept disconnecting. So I had to watch it on traditional television. Uh, still, <laughs> oh. it was worth it. And then the uh, the men's gold medal game. Those are the only things I actually got a chance to watch. I've just turned on now the uh, the fourth run of the bobsled, but I'm not even paying attention to it at this point. Uh, it, it, I wish that the time difference was different so I could have watched all these events. Because I told Jamin, like, the exciting thing about the last day is you only have so many events, you can literally watch everything if you want. And by the time, you know, you and Jared record tomorrow, I will have watched every second of day 16. Which Paris and Milan, better time zone, Europe to North America, right? Like not so good for Australia, yeah. but um, it will be better for you guys, well, won't it? Th- yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be more complicated for our recordings, just trying to line everybody up because the day is going to end at, uh, what would it be for me, um, about three o'clock in the afternoon, let's say mm. uh, that's when the day's going to end. Uh, but then three o'clock in the afternoon for me is what time? Like very early morning for 8 Australia. 8am. Depends on, yeah. uh, no, but it'd be more like 6am um, I think pace. Cause that would be non daylight savings time. I'm, I, I hopefully won't be in Australia in, in two years time anyway. So <laughs> might not affect me, but Jared, well, you know, it's only your problem, Jared deal yeah, with it. Jared. Exactly. Move. You got two years to move somewhere better. Jared. Uh, not in not in emu planes anymore. Um, I caught the end. I think I'm making Colin die. Um, you made me spit take before the uh the bloody episode. Now it's his turn. Um, I caught the end of the bobsled. Um, then I saw the ice hockey, and then I saw the closing ceremony. Although I did see um they it was really weird on Channel Seven. They aired the figure skating gala like at 
eight thirty, like in prime time, and they tried to sell it like it was live, um, which I'm pretty sure it did happen, like when the men's ice hockey finals on. I thought it like it was around about the same time. Oh. But but um, I I saw the end bit when they they had a big dwed dwed come out on the ice, little inflatable big dwed dwed, yippee! And then they cut away from big dwed dwed to show him that he's fallen flat in his face again. <laughs> big dwed dwed flat in his face on the ice, little legs in the air going. Rah! And then you had like Nathan Chen and a bunch of other skaters coming up to try and get poor little big dwed dwed back up on his feet. So big dwed dwed athlete of the games for me. Is Big Dwendwen like kind of like the the Simpsons of the I didn't do it kid? You make a mistake <laughs> and then everybody laughs at it. So I'm like, I got to make a mistake every time. <laughs> you know, I've been watching the last few days on YouTube. I've been watching the best of classic Simpsons. Um, oh. All I all I want to use in conversation every day now is stupid, sexy Flanders. <laughs> I just, I've got a oh. Simpsons reference coming up still in my notes here. One thing I wanted to uh, ask you about... Uh, Excuse me. Uh, oh, excuse me. It's called burping. Pardon me. <laughs> there we are. Sportspodcastawards.com. Vote for us for best uh, Olympics and Paralympics podcast. That's the first noise that's come out of my mouth. There hasn't been a cough in two weeks. This is impressive. Yeah, why are we uh, the but, COVID um, crew doing this episode right now, Jared? The healthy This ones, shows our you? dedication. Mm. Jared can't be here. He's perfectly healthy, but he's busy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways. Got to get up early for work. Oh. You know how many days I got up early for work at 5.30 in the morning so I could record before work, Jared? I only missed one day because of COVID, Jared. I've been here for 15 of the others and I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Jared. it's coming out. <laughs> Anyways, um, I wanted to ask you about maybe you have some insight into this, uh, what the ratings or the viewership has been like. Uh, one thing that I really noticed this weird in the last two Olympics is NBC. I kind of like to look at the NBC coverage sometimes when watch something, uh, what's different from the Canadian coverage. And both Tokyo and this, they are not airing the opening ceremonies until prime time. Uh, oh. Which is, and and other days of the Olympics, you could tune into NBC at seven o'clock in the morning. They're airing something, Olympics coverage. But opening and closing ceremonies, Tokyo and Beijing, they're just leaving it. They're like, ah, nobody's going to watch this till the evening anyways. Uh, I, I don't know what the viewership's like there. I know for Tokyo, they were saying it was down, but... Um, here in Canada, uh, there's been a lot of talk about, uh, oh, viewership is down almost 50% from Pyeongchang and it's down 20% from Tokyo. Well, I mean, down 20% from Tokyo, that's in the middle of the summer. You know, there's a lot more people who can watch versus now in the middle of February. The second thing being that um, obviously maybe some games fatigue. Uh, we just had Olympics six months ago. But the crazy thing here is that they're saying that viewership on the app is up 50%. So really, if you're going to criticize, we've lost 50% of our TV viewers in you know Pyeongchang to Beijing, we've gained 50% back uh, watching it streaming now. But I don't know, maybe you have some insight into Channel 7, how this is doing. I, I honestly don't. The only thing that I got any insight on was like day after, uh, I think it was the Sunday night, the first Sunday that Channel 7 beat Channel 9 that morning. So And they were very excited because... Channel 9 had a big interview on TV and Channel 7 shattered in over them, so they were celebrating that. Um, I I don't actually know about Beijing. I, I think from memory I saw that the viewership for Tokyo was quite high, uh, that it rated pretty well. Um, and people were sort of like, oh, because of coronavirus, they wanted something good to happen. And a lot of it, I think Melbourne was still in lockdown during the Olympics, so you know, a lot of people were just stuck at home and really into to watching all of that. Um, but yeah, I find it interesting that 
you know, it's it's so hard to compare sort of Olympics to past Olympics because, again, of how TV works now. And it's also a case of, you're right, like with apps and, and online, like, you know, when, when I don't know how it worked in Canada, but when this whole notion of having the internet to watch the Olympics came into play, it, it, it was a lot different back there. Like, I think the first one I really remember them offering it was Beijing and they had like, I remember I had my Nokia N95, you know, when the internet was still kind of a new thing on your phone and you could stream. Like, I think you had to pay like a $5 subscription fee a day or something like that to watch some things. And I remember being out for dinner one time and I think watched us win a, a canoeing gold medal sitting on my phone in a restaurant. Like, that was technologically advanced. Then come Vancouver, uh, Channel 9 shared it with Foxtel, which is like our main cable provider in Australia and... I know Foxtel offered like a a package where you paid like an extra $20 and you got all these channels and I was really shitty because I didn't have Foxtel back then. But then London, Channel 9 offered another thing. So like back then when you had the multiple screens and you could choose the sports, at least for the first few Olympics, they charged you for it. Um, And I think Rio, like I paid the $20 premium Channel 7 fee to get no ads on it. So now that you do it for free... Even with very limited ads, I will say, they don't actually show a lot of ads on these things now. Like, it's it's quite groundbreaking to think about it. So, I can't imagine that there are some people who just forego watching TV completely. Because, I mean, you don't really need to watch Channel 7 or CBC. Mm-hmm. To, like, literally, you can just sit there and be your own director and watch whatever the fuck you want. So, therefore, I think the, the ratings are probably more so on these apps, if anything. Um, and I know, for example, like with the Paralympics about to start, like they're only going to be showing like a, a tiny little package every night here on TV. Maybe even, I don't even know if it's half an hour. It might even be like a 15 minute package every night. That's it. And basically they're directing you to the app saying like everything will be live and free on the app. We're barely showing anything on TV. So I don't know if that's going to be for you with the Paralympics, but, um, that's just the way it is now. That's kind of just how you have the Olympics. And I think that's great that it's for free. Yeah, with um, I'm trying to think if it was uh, a big deal still in Sochi. I know with Sochi, I was still watching it on TV mostly. Uh, where apps really took over was the Pan Am Games in 2015 here, um, where TV coverage was, I guess, less. So they started pushing. You can watch so more of this on the app as opposed to, you know, we have six to eight hours of coverage a day uh, compared to the Olympics where we have 24 hours of coverage a day. Uh I, I think for Rio, uh, that's where it, it really became, oh, this is interesting. You can watch everything. What, what I like, though, now, especially I think this explains uh, maybe why CBC's viewerships have dipped a lot, is that you can watch the TV coverage instead of um, tuning into the channel. I know you were saying you can't watch the um, the Channel 7 feed with the anchors and the commentators and everything on the app, if you were saying, if I remember right. Whereas oh, no, if can, I want you, you can't right do now, the replays of them. Uh, so like I oh, can okay. watch it well, live, you do- but you can't watch the replay. You can only then watch the replays of the individual events, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I've been recording, you know, on the PVR every single night because uh, I'm just used to doing that during the Olympics. Okay. I'm going to go back. I'm going to have to see what was on. So I know which events to record. And I've barely touched my PVR because first thing in the morning, I'm just popping on the replay of the primetime feed, the replay of the overnight feed. And then once I'm done that, the replay of the the morning shift feed, and going through that and then anything that's missing, I'm like, oh, let me find the individual event. I mean, I, I see no reason to watch TV because 
the CBC coverage is literally on the app now. They've really made a push for that during these Olympics. Uh, we did have the one exclusive, though, which was the last Commonwealth Games, the first time where there was no Commonwealth Games coverage on TV at all because there's that DAZN app, D-A-Z-N. Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of suspecting we might get that again for maybe it'll be the Pan Am Games where because CBC has been having a lot of commercials for DAZN. Uh, maybe they're just simply going to be taking over the, uh, the, the online coverage. Well, CBC still has the, the network coverage. I don't know, but it's definitely going to become more and more of a thing. I don't think anybody is going to be caring about TV ratings in another four years. I saw a lot of DAZN advertising when I was in Canada and I was like, Hey, that's that thing that Colin used to talk about. Yeah. Like we're seeing a lot of that in Australia with, um, sort of some of our streaming services. I know, for example, like the Australian swimming championships last year, um for the tokyo trials and like they're generally prime time events i would remember before every olympics you know the australian swimming championships would be you know front and center on channel seven channel nine prime time and even in non-olympic years you know every year you would have the australian swimming championships prime time event last year uh it was on like amazon prime like you know if you wanted to watch swimming trials you had to get that and then a lot of our soccer coverage in australia now is purely on on apps like the the world cup soccer yeah. Uh, the last one, like SBS is sort of, you, you've heard us talk about SBS. SBS is always like, you know, the, the multicultural channel, but they've always been the soccer channel. If you want to watch porn the channel. World Cup, the porn channel. Uh, but like <laughs> the, if you watch the World Cup, it's always SBS carries the World Cup. But the last mm. World Cup, it was like they only showed the Australia games and the finals. And if you wanted to watch any other games, you had to sign up to Optus Sports. Optus is kind of like our Rogers or, you know, uh, something like that. So it's kind of a lot of Australia is going more towards these streaming platforms for sport, which is yeah. odd. Um, but I think we've also got what's called anti-siphoning laws in Australia where there are laws in place where certain events have to be shown on free-to-air TV like it is law. So like um, oh, Olympics, yeah. for example, uh, then you've got things like certain cricket matches, like even something like the Australian Grand Prix, like a Formula One race has to be shown on free-to-air TV um so it's 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 things like that so i know the commonwealth games are going to be on channel seven this year um but i i, I honestly cannot remember if they had an app during gold coast because i worked all the time i didn't get a chance to watch mm. the app so i'm ass i'm assuming they had an app during the the commonwealth games where you could watch all the different sports i can't remember um but i would assume if they didn't they might have it for birmingham this year but uh We'll see. It's going to be a weird time zone for Australia because we have to go over Europe time. But, hey, I'm going to be in America, hopefully, in fucking July. So how's that going to be? Hey, can I tune into NBC to watch a Commonwealth game? What are the Commonwealth games? Eileen uh, Goo on NBC. Um, so, anyway. Um, uh, fails, fails, fails. Uh, CBC, closing ceremony, anything along those lines? Uh, yeah, there's a couple here. Um, first, I... One of the things that they did differently, uh, typically in the past, you would have your ceremonies, you'd have one of the anchors and maybe one of the head commentators, and then you'd have one or two of the athletes on. Uh, this was unusual. We had one anchor who I've talked about a lot in here, Andy Petrillo, uh, and then three athletes. I mean, Perdita Felician, she's basically transitioned to being an anchor now. She's she's like our Joanna Griggs, you know, started as an athlete, uh, eventually got into broadcasting, now is basically a full-time broadcaster. And then the uh, the two other ones who were actually in the stadium were uh, Kelly Vanderbeek, who was a former uh, downhill skier, 
and then Anastasia Busis, who's a speed skater. Uh, it's not really a funny moment, but it was more just like, oh, this just shows like lack of experience, maybe as broadcasters. To you, what was the standout moment of the entire games? And of course, Anastasia Busis is like, well, I'm going to say it's Aaron Jackson because I'm a speed skater. Uh, and then Kelly Vanderbeek, what was your moment in the entire games? Oh, Sophia Gogia, the, the one who made up with the camera. It's like, obviously, because you're a downhill skier. I mean, it was just, yeah, you, you clearly have one expertise and that's all you can talk <laughs> about in here. Uh, so kind of a fail with them. Um, uh, what what I have here? Oh yeah, so Andy Petrillo, who's, who's basically the greatest broadcaster in Canada uh, for many reasons. Um, check out our Instagram to, you know, get more of <laughs> an idea, but uh, completely aside from that, she basically verbalizes a lot of what we're saying. Like the, the frustrations I had with Eileen Gu, it's like, Oh, the most accomplished athlete. Of all time. That's where I would have wanted Andy Petrillo to, to pipe in uh, because when the, they were giving the, um, the medals away to the, uh, uh, the, the cross country. Uh, and they mentioned that Russian guy, you know, he's had nine events and he has meddled in every single one. Andy Patrol almost gets angry and she's like, we have someone like that. His name is Andre DeGrasse. I'm like, yes, <laughs> let's give credit where credit is due. Uh, and also another great Andy Patrillo moment here, which is piggybacking off of the, our video montage. I'm sure you have the same thing. The end of the Olympics, they'll pick a song and there's a Canadian you know, band called the Kells, which yeah, well, the, the Canadian one, the Arkells, I have yet to see it because they basically showed a 15 second clip of it. And you can see the rest of the Arkells video at the end of the CBC primetime Olympics tonight. So I didn't even get to see the video yet. But wow. uh, Perdita Felician was basically talking about, ah, the Arkells. Uh, it's like, uh, you know, I saw them. Uh, she goes, funny story. I was at the Grey Cup and they played the Grey Cup halftime show. And Andy Patrol just goes, great. <laughs> that was it wow <laughs> uh yeah i think those are the only two ones i had it was you know an all-female panel they were definitely um a, a little bit uh nicer to each other other than the the great <laughs> dynamite right. drop in there uh, but, uh i'm sure if i went over it again i could find it in the hour and 40 minutes of closing ceremonies at least one more thing we didn't get any, oh, gods, like, whatever, like, you know, the, somebody gets They need him in there, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted that guy out there when Bing Dwendren's falling in. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> please, please find the footage of Bing Dwendren falling over and dub that over the top. Oh, no! <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll find it. <laughs> oh, Bing Dwendren falling over the star of the games. Um, a couple of things that I have with Channel 7, actually. So, oh, um, no one longer of, employed. One of, one of my sad moments of the fact that they flew me and fired me, basically, on the Friday and I didn't get sick around for the last <laughs> couple of days of the Olympics uh, is the fact that beloved Bruce came in and, like, I, I missed him. Uh, he came in, apparently, to the studio on Monday when I was sick with COVID, so I didn't get to meet him. And then he, he, was, he did the appearance tonight um, on the, the closing ceremony lead-in. Now, I, I miss, like... The part, the opening part of it. So I obviously missed the part where he actually was talking about the Winter Olympics. I tuned in as apparently Channel Seven were just like, "Yeah, the Winter Olympics are over. Commonwealth Games are coming up." Um, so like, I literally turned on when you've got Bruce McAvaney and Hamish McLaughlin talking about Peter Ball and Rowan Browning. I'm thinking like, you don't see Peter Ball running the you know the bobsled or Rowan Browning in the curling. Um, and then all of a sudden they're like. 
Hamish McLaughlin's like, so Bruce, I know you're a powerful man. Why don't you click your fingers and see what happens? So he clicks his fingers and all of a sudden, boom, Rowan Browning pops up live from like Sydney and they start interviewing Rowan Browning about his beloved mullet talking about the Commonwealth Games. And the best bit about it was like Bruce McAvoy just being Bruce, like, you know, interviewing was like, well, really, there's not really Jamaicans to worry about this time around. You've got to worry about the Canadians and the South Africans. And they're like talking up like, oh, you know, the, the sprinters in the world that aren't the Jamaicans anymore. Um, and it was just it was just kind of like, like, OK, I get it. That's the next big event. But one thing I don't I don't know if you would get it in Canada, but. I don't want to say that it's it's demeaning. This isn't just a Channel 7 thing. It's almost just an Australian media thing. Is that when we're talking about the Winter Olympics, we can never just celebrate them for being Winter Olympians. Like, here's, you know, Jakar Anthony. Here's, you've always got to compare them to a summer athlete or a summer Olympian. You've got to do something summer-based. Mm. So, like, it's just, it's just the yeah, way they get... Yeah, we don't get that here. It's like, you know, it's like, oh, you know, oh, it's such a great team, isn't it? Yeah, it really reminds me of, how you know, like of what Jess Fox did or it just reminds me of, you know, what this athlete did. I'm like, can't we just celebrate them for being themselves? I'm like, this is a problem. These poor athletes get ignored for four years and then they get two weeks to shine in the spotlight and still you're like, oh, Jakara, isn't she just like Jess Fox? I'm like, no, Jakara Anthony's like Jakara Anthony. She won a gold medal in moguls in a different sport, put Jess Fox up there in a couple of skis and make her ski down some lumps and then put Jakara in a canoe and then you compare the two. Um, so like, that's just frustrating. And again, that's not just me ripping into Channel 7. That's literally an Australian media thing. We can never just celebrate them for being themselves. You know, New Zealand is better than that. Well, are they? Uh, we'll get there. (laughs) Um, don't, don't get me started. Don't push my buttons yet. I've got my rant to come. Um, the other thing I was actually quite surprised tonight with, uh, it's always a Channel 7 tradition, uh, that whenever we have a closing ceremony, you've got to mention that Australia invented the idea of the athletes coming in together and not separate <laughs> countries. And like every fucking closing ceremony, we're like, yes, we know. Uh, they didn't mention it this time around. So uh, quite impressed. Um, the montage, though, like, again, the maybe the most number one thing I always look forward to in every single Olympics, Tokyo's was quite underwhelming. Uh, that was like this, it was over in like 30 seconds. I'm like, that's it. Um the Beijing one was fine, but the problem is they showed it at the beginning of the coverage and then showed exactly the same. Like when they did the opening of like, this is what we're, you know, we're into the closing ceremony. It's like, cool, we've got a montage, great. And then they literally show the same montage at the end. And I'm like, <laughs> we see this montage. This isn't a new one. Like, I mean, ah, oh, like, and they showed it to, it was um, Bittersweet Symphony, but it was like uh, this, one of those orchestral epic trailer versions, which I think I used it in the Australian Survivor Hall of Fame last year for one of our inductees. So it's a cool song, but um, again, not. and like the one thing I'm going to say, Ben Waterworth gets selfish moment, number 412 of this episode, is back in the day when they showed the uh, the closing montage, they actually would have credits and they would list like who worked on the coverage and they would list the researchers. They don't do that anymore, so my name didn't get to be on the credits. So <laughs> I was hopeful that they would bring it back for these Olympics. Maybe... But- maybe- Maybe they moved it over to Seven Mate. <laughs> it's on the and app. to see exclusive coverage of our closing credits and featuring researchers' names, tune into Seven Mate. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. Still not to New Zealand rant yet. Let's um, our final athlete celebration uh, of the day. Talk, talk, talk yours up. I love yours. This is the best one for Canada today. This is the oh, number yeah. one of, of the entire Olympics. My man. Talk about him. Well, I mean... 
you kind of gave your rundown yesterday of your criteria and uh, I had basically decided on, I'd say my first six or seven uh, firms, similar to what you did. I'm like, I want to have a variety of men and women. I want to have a variety of sports. I want to have some on the right days and all that. And I had a handful where I'm like, I don't know. Once it gets closer to the end, which is one of the reasons why we've had a lot of repeat athletes. We had more figure skaters, more speed skaters here at the end. Uh, and I really, I included the very first day was uh, obviously the first gold medalist uh, hockey team. Um, but I wanted to include an individual athlete if I could. And most people would say, oh, it's going to be Sidney Crosby. It's got to be Sidney Crosby for literally the last 20 years. I have done nothing but talk about how the star for me of Canadian hockey Olympics has been Jerome Aginla, uh, which oh. I knew you would be happy about. I even oh, mentioned it to you. I'm like, yeah, it was like on day three or four. I mentioned him like, yo, I'm thinking about putting up Jerome Aginla near the end. And you're like, do it, do it. <laughs> uh, but it's not even just as obviously there's a weird thing Canada has with Sidney Crosby. I mean, half people love him. Half people don't hate him, but just get annoyed that he even Eileen Gu type credit where credit isn't due. Um, Jerome Aginla was one of the stars in Salt Lake City, like literally breakout. He had really broken out on the end. He was in the NHL. What put him on the map was what he did in that tournament in Salt Lake City. Uh, and then Vancouver, I remember being quite annoyed in the final game, especially when Sidney Crosby scores a goal, which I think was the only goal he scored <laughs> the entire playoffs. Uh, and Jerome McGinley had had something like three goals, a couple of assists, and uh, it was Jerome McGinley's assist that assisted that goal. But nobody ever mentions Jerome McGinley's name. Uh, I'm saying it right now, Jerome McGinley, one listen, of the stars. Go listen to our introduction, our with all the commentary, and you hear the you know the golden goal, Sidney Crosby. Mm -hmm. You hear the name yeah. McGinley, and you hear him, his name being mentioned before Crosby gets that goal. Yes, because we have to give credit where credit is due. Um, and also, I already made a big deal about the fact that like Sarah Nurse being the first black woman to ever win a gold medal in hockey. Jerome McGinley was that first black man to win a gold medal in hockey, and he did it 20 years ago. So um, Jerome McGinley also is just he, he's one of the greatest NHL players of all day. It was, it's almost a selfish reason. I'm like, if I want to put up anybody, there was two names that I thought of Joe Sackick and Jerome McGinley because they're my favorite hockey players of all time. But you can really back up looking at the Olympic performance of Jerome McGinley start to finish as just being one of the great Olympians that Canada had outside of his NHL career. I remember when he uh, left Calgary is one of my saddest days, um, oh. but I got to I did get to see him play twice. Uh, my very first NHL game when I went to Madison Square Garden, he played. And then uh, by circumstance, when I saw uh, him play for Colorado, uh, when I was in Colorado and I got to see him play. So it was kind of like, oh, randomly get to see him play for a different team. So uh, what a man. Um, should what a should man. be should be part of the Triple Gold Club. You know, 2004, they were robbed from the Stanley Cup. So, uh, yep, cool. Uh, but yes, great choice, Colin. I'm on board with Jerome McGinley Day. Good job. I knew you um, would be. Well, I we have a nice hockey player too for Australia today, a rarity. No, it's not Nathan Walker. Uh, it's our second Australian ice hockey player, funnily enough. We had Vic Ekberg right on day one. David Cunningham is our player today. Uh, created history for Australia in 1960 when he scored the very first ever goal by Australia at the ice hockey uh, in the Olympics uh, against Czechoslovakia. Australia were trailing 2-0 in the first period, and he got a goal. David Cunningham was 2-1. Australia were in the game. They ended up losing at 18-1, but whatever. He got one, and that's all that matters. <laughs> David Cunningham, name in history. 
which I still say, if Australia ever made it to back to the uh, Olympics in ice hockey, which we never will, uh, that'll be bigger than Dean and Tarly. We will be hooked oh, to that. I thought you were going to say he would be the captain. Probably will. He's probably about 92 now. I don't know, but uh, probably our third best well, ice hockey player in the country. It's Exactly. It's Australian hockey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's probably, you know, ranked highly. So, uh well done, David Cunningham. Well, it just reminds me of, I don't know why I'm thinking about Austin Powers. Hello, my name is Richie Cunningham, and this is my wife, Oprah. Um, <laughs> I just want to like, say that. Um, our last Daily Dale of the games. Now, I've got one in tough. mind. Do you Do you have any? I have one in mind. Uh, Who it's is obviously it, Eve Muirhead. Well, obviously Eve Muirhead. Um, it, it, even aside from just me being a huge Eve Murray fan, uh, and it being the only thing I watched completely in its entirety, uh, the accomplishment of being in four Olympics, uh, coming back after losing to Japan in the last ones, winning the gold this time and being the first gold medal for, um, great Britain in 20 years, uh, for Scotland in 20 years, uh, obviously a huge accomplishment, um, in curling, but, uh, in curling. Yes. Uh, and and the biggest win for Great Britain in uh, these Olympics or Scotland in these Olympics. Um, well, I mean, I don't know how we're going to decide this because my my nominee is uh, Finnish ice hockey player Hannes Bjorninen. Now, uh, in the final thirty or so seconds of this match, when Rock finally decided to pull their goalie, uh, they had a face off in the center ice, and basically Hannes decided to rather than get the puck with his stick or try and make a play. He just dived on the puck. He literally dived on the puck. And for a good, I don't know, of the last 20 seconds, for at least half of it, he was on the... The ref didn't call, like, stop, like, let's have a face-off. He was just on the puck. He was just like, nope, 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 nobody's playing this puck. I'm diving on this puck. This is mine. No one's having it. It was like, stacks on the puck. Um, and that, I'm saying it, one in the game. Cost him 10 seconds. The puck got loose. Went to the other end. Rock had no chance of getting a goal. So, um... For Hans Bjorninen's suicidal efforts uh, for Team Finland to help them win the goal, that that's my nominee. So I don't know how we're going to dead deadlock this. You'll throw a chair or can something. Can we give it to two people? It's never been done before, but can we have dual Daily Dale winners? I, I feel we haven't given it to it. Well, we've had we had Team Slovakia, didn't we, as an ice hockey team? We've had mm-hmm. Curler back on day zero. Ah, let's end it with a Curler. I'll give it to Eve. Why not? I'll, yes. I'll concede. I'll concede because I'm nice. Jamie will be very upset to see Eve Muirhead's name again. <laughs> is this is this is this like a, a a thing where like you get a little bit of a feeling in certain areas of the body, Colin, or is this just like you <laughs> admire her? Like, I mean, or is it a bit of both? I I I admire her as a curler. I cannot answer the other one. I'm sure Jamie would answer, but <laughs> she's an oh. incredible curler. <laughs> it's because Colin doesn't want to talk about sex. Um. <laughs> I don't know the meaning of that word. Sex. Um, All right. So if you're from New Zealand, tune out now Um, (laughs) because I've got a bone to pick with you, New Zealand. Now, look, we we went over this yesterday. Um, You know, cocky New Zealanders. All right. Dealt with it. We had a medal tally faux pas. Good for them. Okay. Sure. All right. But um, on the Twitter account today, off the podium, follow us on Twitter. Uh, We appreciate your feedback uh, because we'll bitch about it on the episode the next time around. Um, happened to get a, a tweet today uh, on our next mental tally uh, from a Brian Hibbard. This is at Brian Hibbard 6. 
And we'll go over some of his other tweets in a moment too. Don't worry. He replied to the medal tally. I'm going to read this verbatim. 43 Australians v 15 New Zealanders. Population 27 million versus 5.8. Aussie won gold. NZ two gold. Very poor Australia. Okay. See what you're doing there, Brian. Based on population. Absolutely. That is a shithouse effort from Australia. We should pick our game up. Absolutely. But just on that, all right, let's just go over a few stats for you, dear Brian. Okay. In Australia, we have five, five ski resorts. Five. We won four medals. It's almost a medal per ski resort in Australia. Pretty good effort, if you ask me. In New Zealand... You have 39 ski resorts <laughs> for three medals. Barely one for every 10 <laughs> of your ski resorts. Okay. All right. Sure. You want to play that game? Fair enough. Okay. Awesome. You have won a total of six Winter Olympic medals in your history from three athletes. <laughs> You can't even get your athletes to go out and do good. You've got to rely on three athletes at the Olympics to win your medals, New Zealand. Okay. Good job, bro. You got your two gold. Well done. We were winning two gold at the Winter Olympics 20 years ago. Good job to catch up, New Zealand. All right. And if you want to talk about population and based on population per medals, all right, let's talk about Norway. All right? A country of five and a half million people. They've only got 500,000 more people than you. They won 37 medals at these Olympics. You won three. Pick your game up, New Zealand. <laughs> and if you want to talk about countries pulling ahead of their weight based on population, a little country called Liechtenstein have won a total of 10 Winter Olympic medals in their history. You've won six. Liechtenstein has a population of 38,137, which for you New Zealanders listening, that is a population of Gisborne in New Zealand. That is the population of Fukutani. Actually, it's more than Fukutani, but I just like saying that name. Kerry right, Fukutani. Invercargill has 49,000 people, 12,000 more than Liechtenstein, a country that can win 10 Winter Olympic medals and you can only win six. And you've got 39 ski resorts, New Zealand. <laughs> 39 ski resorts. You can only win three medals. We've got five and we can win four. All right? Got to say, that's a bit of an effort. there. And you also oh, okay. win it in fake sports. Freestyle skiing, they're not real. Um, also. <laughs> Wait a I'd second. I'm just saying, on, hang on, hang on. Not done. One more thing to go. want to read out some of uh, these tweets from Brian who likes to reply to things. <laughs> Let's just go the intelligence here of Brian. So, um. Seems to be a bit anti-transgender uh, people here uh, in replying to a <laughs> transgender swimmer. Um, says, another failed male at his chosen sport. I'll say I identify as a woman, then the, then the will win. So wrong on so many levels. <laughs> Just like that Laurel Hubbard from NZ. Okay. Uh, in replying to some tweet about uh, New Zealanders joining an anti-mandate protest, he replies, never heard of either, the, either of them. Irrelevant. Okay. Um, turns around, uh, watched some of the Winter Olympics, said, just watch the women's free ski half pike final at the Winter Olympics. I see 12-year-olds doing more. What a waste of a sport and not deserving of medals, I'm afraid. 
Um, well, this is a medal. You won. You, you you won a medal in this event, my friend, and you're saying that you were shit. Okay. Uh, in response to an article about Jacinda Ardern, Kiwis can't get home, but this thing can fly in and out at taxpayers' expense for a chat for sixty minutes. Does she think she has anything relevant to say? Thick as a cardboard cutout. Hope she can't get back. Um, I'm not even. This guy's getting way too much airtime. Uh, in the words of uh, Brian Hibbard. Irrelevant. <laughs> All right, so I'm, I'll address him since you're done here now. Um, when you showed me that yesterday, I'm like, you know, I kind of agree with the first part of what he's saying. Like, based on you know the the population, amount of medals, and stuff like that. Obviously, they you could argue they've had a more successful games than you have. Um, saying it was bad, it actually brought me back eight years ago. We didn't even have off the podium was still two years away from existence. And I have a very distinct memory of this. You and nobody else probably remember this, but we were doing a Survivor Oz episode and there was a listener question for me that was basically talking about, oh, how do you feel about Canada's disappointing results in the Sochi Olympics? And I went on a rant like you just went on. Like, okay, you're going to compare the greatest performance any country has ever had in Vancouver and say that it's a disappointment just because we didn't live up to that. So I completely get where you're coming from with you. I'll also to address it, we are very passionate on this show with the Olympics. As we found, we are more passionate with the Olympics than we are with our other podcasts talking about James Bond or well. Survivor or anything else. If you want evidence of that, listen to what happened when uh, I was denied the athlete of the day for the greatest <laughs> Olympian of all time. If you want further evidence of it, listen what happened when I posed the question, maybe we shouldn't give it to 25% of our athletes to just do Australians and see Ben's response. We all are very passionate on this show, almost to a ridiculous point. So there's something about the Olympics. It brings out the best and the worst. It brings out the passion in people. Um, when you read the tweets, I, I kind of get this guy's a bit of an idiot, but <laughs> I do the part of this. I want to, I, I want to go along with, I want to go along with his logic though. And I'm going to bring you back to an interview. One of the best interviews that you did, uh, with Devin Haru, uh, our, our, our curling guy in Canada, our, um, uh, the main social media guy they've basically had the man. Yeah. Uh, and when you were mentioning about, uh, you know, Australia performing better than Canada and Tokyo, and he basically like, all right, so. He, he had you come up with the numbers. Go, now, how many medals did Australia win the Summer Olympics? And it's like, okay. And then Canada won how many in the summer? Okay. Now, in the last Winter Olympics, how many did Canada win? And he's like, all right. So what you're telling me, Ben, is that overall in the Olympics, Canada is way better than Australia. You're like, I, I can see your point. Yeah. <laughs> I like that logic. Now, going with this guy's population logic, Canada is one-tenth the size of the United States. So by that logic, Canada winning 26 medals is the equivalent of the United States winning 260 medals in these winter Olympics. Canada wins it all. Well, no, I, I agree. Like, I think it's a great way to look at it. And I actually, I want to pull that up just quickly before I, I say something else. Um, I mean, if you were to combine Canada's total medals with Tokyo and Beijing, 26 plus 24, of course, is a grand total of 50 uh, that you've won in the last two Olympics. We got 46 medals. Oh, actually, it's the same. 46 medals in Tokyo it's and even. four and it's, it's even. Um, so, uh, we, battle have is eight, on. we have 18 gold versus your 11, but Hey, who's counting? Um, but it's, yeah, no, like, that's a great point. I look, I, I, you're right. It brings out the pattern because we're very passionate about our country. So of course we're going to be biased. That's the thing. I, for one, 
am passionate about Canada. I, I showed up to work the other day in a Team Canada jersey and everybody, literally every day, I would have oh, people pushing me like, what's the deal with you in Canada? Like, why do you like Canada so much? <laughs> I literally had Joe Griggs say to me like, Ben, we are not talking about Canada on an air today. Thanks for telling me the Canadian statistics for the fifth time in a row. <laughs> like, I am passionate about that. And as much as I like to sit here and rip shit into New Zealand, I lived in that country. I lived in New Zealand more than I lived in Canada. So I, out of side of Australia, I've lived in New Zealand the longest in my life. I personally do not hate New Zealand. I admire New Zealand. They're a great country. We just have a life ribbing back and forth between the two. And when somebody does that to me, you, you trigger me, and I will get angry. I will, I will, I will, I will rub that in your face, New Zealand. I will do that. But having said that, in all seriousness. I weirdly agree with this guy. Like, New Zealand has punched above their weight very well to win three medals yeah. per capita for a country of five million people is fucking fantastic. I say even more so in the Summer Olympics last year what they did as well. Like, it is really, it is great. And I love seeing these countries who can do that. I mean, Norway, it's amazing what Norway, and again, we did this at the very beginning of the Olympics. Like, we fear Norway now because in the Summer Olympics now they're doing well. Like, this isn't good. Stop it, Norway. We're scared of you. Um... And at the same time, also, um, I I am very bitter and I am easily triggered and I have a short fuse. So, fuck you, mate, and uh, go tweet about Jacinda. Uh, again, irrelevant. I, um, yeah, I wanted end. to add one more thing on here. Um, it's just a little bit of research for people here. Uh, I mentioned earlier on about how Canada, like a couple of days ago, Canada basically turned around their Olympic performance when freestyle skiing was... Uh, introduced in the Olympics. That's when Canada started to become a real winter Olympic nation. Uh, and we have the final total here uh, of the history of the Olympics, freestyle skiing. Canada is still number one. We're still clinging to number one of all time in freestyle skiing. Australia, one of the Australians just said it's not a real sport. Uh, <laughs> fifth of all time now. Mm. You are in the top five freestyle skiing nations of all time now, just behind China, Switzerland, United States, and Canada. New Zealand is number 13, by the way. So they're getting close to the top 10. Good, good, good for them. Um, well, I'm just, um, actually, it's interesting looking at our updated winter table now, which is, yeah, so of our 19 medals, Australia has won. That's 19. New Zealand, you've only won six. Um, <laughs> nine of them have come in freestyle skiing, uh, six in snowboard, um, still two in short track speed skating, which we haven't, you know, obviously won in 20 years. Uh, it's so weird looking at this thing, one in skeleton. It's so weird <laughs> seeing that. Uh, and one in alpine skiing. So there you go. The, can one I, in the. Can you classify skeleton as a traditional sport? Because that was back in like the 1920s and then it was missing for like 60 years. So, I mean, skeleton is yeah. kind of a traditional Olympic sport. Well, it, here's, a, here's a complaint I've not yet brought up in these Olympics. Um, freestyle skiing has become way too broad of a term. Uh, mm. And it, I would say even arguably in the beginning when it was just aerials and moguls, those are two very different sports to me. It, it's, it's as different as downhill skiing and half pipe skiing. As far as I'm concerned, I 100%. feel like we need to start breaking up the freestyle uh, it, it come this come from Canada, who is the greatest of all time in freestyle skiing. I'm saying break it up a little bit because we are grouping together freestyle skiing as one sport but yet snowboarding is a separate one, but yet snowboarding and freestyle skiing are sharing 50% of those sports together. Like it doesn't yeah. really make sense to me why freestyle skiing still encompasses moguls, aerials, half pipe, big air and all that. It's kind of like, I mean, 
snowball the giant slalom is very different to the half pipe, but I guess you're still yeah. on board. Um, yeah, yeah well, no, like shouldn't there be right. tricks? Like, I mean, you come up with a better name, but trick sports, which would be aerials, big air. You can mm. even include moguls. Moguls is kind of like it, it's it's sort of downhill. It's sort of, but then, then you have downhill events. So let's include you know the snowboard slalom with the other alpine events. Yeah, no, you're right. It's it's it's, it's kind of like how pop music is so diverse, you know, because you can pop is technically popular music. That's what pop is. Anything so, can be pop. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I've never thought Nickelback about that. Nickelback is pop. <laughs> <laughs> well, some would argue with that, but it's it's like it's, it's, it is kind of an interesting thing with the Winter Olympics, where like biathlon and cross country skiing, basically mm-hmm. the same sport except one you shoot in it. Um, yeah. And then you look at the sliding sports, and I I can't remember which athlete it was that I I brought up. Why aren't they all under the same federation? Because you've got skeleton and bobsleigh under one federation, and luge is a separate federation. And it basically, yeah. I think the explanation comes down to because skeleton and bobsleigh, you sprint to start, whereas luge, it's a sitting start. So, like, they're technically, <laughs> like, that's the only, like, to me, a skeleton and <laughs> luge, exactly the same thing. One, you're laying on your back. One, you're facing forward. Um, I want to see the luges running. I'm sure they would. I don't think <laughs> luge athletes are lazy. Like, I've given the chance. Like, I want to see yeah, a I mean- luge guy. Luge people go, I don't want to sit down and use my hands. I want to run like the skeleton and bobsleigh people. Like, come on. Give them a chance. They're the fastest than all of them. Bloody lazy yeah, bobsledders and skeletons. Freestyle skiers who just, I'm afraid of the wind. <laughs> They're just like, oh, look at me. I'm sitting down. Like, the bobsledders and the skeletons go, like, oh, look at those lazy bastards. No. All right, you're restricted. You're discriminating against a luge. Alex Belazzo, you stand up. All the Germans. Just stand up, Natalie. Take a step back, Burger and everyone else. I think I think in honor of Natalie's achievements in McDonald's in Germany, they should they should release the Natalie Geisenberger meal. Uh, where you just get, <laughs> can I have a large Natalie Geisenberger meal with fries? Um, I'd order it. You get a free sippy cup. There she is on your cup. You can drink out of a Natalie Geisenberger. Drink out of a toque. Drink <laughs> a little toque, you know. Boot toot. Um, now. Uh, this will be the last time we talk to you ever because you were dying. Um, you're not. I, oh, I don't know. Are you going to be on the episode tomorrow? I don't think you are, are you? No. Uh, it, I, I'm going to let you. We're going to pull the you guys record when you will need to record. And if I'm awake, I'll jump in. Sweet. Cool. Well, on that note, um, final thoughts of these Olympics. Um, your, your favorite moments, things like that. And, I mean, how do you rate this compared to past Winter Olympics in, in terms of just how you enjoyed it, uh, spectacle, anything along those lines. Well, considering I've been saying the entire time, you know, it's not, not a big deal in Canada that we're not winning all these golds. I feel like that's really what uh, holds this back from being as memorable than Olympics for me as Pyeongchang was, especially Sochi and Vancouver. Um, there is something different about coming home with a gold medal as opposed to a silver and bronze. And uh, one of it is just the attention you get. Uh, I was thinking about coming into these Olympics. One of the weird things is, how many athletes at Canada have that were like true stars where Canadians would be tuning in because this athlete is out there. And, you know, Mikkel Kingsbury and the Deferla Point sisters were some of those. Still hugging. It's big news. They, they, they are still hugging. We're still seeing montage of this, no joke, on CBC. Um, you know, obviously, Charles Hamlin was at that level. Uh, but people like Max Perot weren't quite at that level yet. Uh, so maybe in the next Olympics, there'll be more excitement than there was for this one. Uh, but if we had had more golds, I think that it, I would have had that extra feeling of excitement. One thing I will say I appreciate over past Olympics is it, 
considering this was in China and it definitely started on a note of let's jump down, especially on CBC, let's jump down China's throats. Let's spend the entire opening ceremonies just talking about the politics instead of talking about the athletes, the ones who have nothing to do with politics that are there. Uh, it really became a very positive games. Uh, we're not getting so much media criticism the way that I, I look back even to Vancouver and how much criticism there was about, you know, oh, there, there's unsafe conditions because of the weather, like, because as if, you know, the Olympic organizers could control the weather, you know, uh, Sochi and, and obviously Rio was kind of the worst of it. Let's just throw every criticism we can. So it's weirdly been a positive Olympics. Uh, but I think the, the weird thing is my memory of these Olympics, I think a lot of Canadians are going to say the same thing. It's, it's how the Canadian athletes sort of accepted defeat. And it's sort of become a joke on this show. But like Justine DeFerla-Pointe and Laurent Debray and um, uh, Jennifer Jones and even Brad Gushu just winning a, a, a bronze, the way that they kind of in their interviews um, apologized as they would for the fact of losing and how Canada really wasn't harsh on them at all. I think that was one of the more memorable things of these games. Uh, I'll be okay if I don't have to watch um, you know, Big Air again. Uh, I'll be okay if you bring in some more exciting fast paced sports in the future. Uh, but I mean, overall it, it was, uh, a decent games. It, it wasn't the greatest of all time, maybe and a better opening closing ceremonies would have changed that. It's, it's interesting. Cause I feel I'll give some thoughts tomorrow night. Obviously we'll do our wrap up episode then, but I think we all kind of came out of Tokyo almost saying like, this might've been our, like favorite olympics or like one of our favorite ones like we we came out of it positively all going like hey actually like we thoroughly enjoyed these olympics a lot more than i think and i still stand by that like mm-hmm. tokyo was a fun olympics um i i had a very unique experience with these games obviously working on them it was it was an interesting sort of insight that way but i don't know if i leave these olympics w- with like a like i'm sad they're over i'm always sad when olympics is over but it, i don't know if it comes down to that we've had two olympics in eight months you know, I worked on them, so it was different other things like that. But like, I, I feel like these are an Olympics where I'm kind of like, yeah, no, they were good, but I don't know if I'm ever going to look back and go like, wow, they were the, you know, like, I'm not leaving this like Vancouver or Salt Lake, who and even mm-hmm. Nagano, they're they're the they're the Winter Olympics that always stand out to me as just like very memorable. Still, I'd say Salt Lake are my favorite Winter Olympics I've ever kind of watched from start to finish. Um, so yeah, I don't think it. I would say that they these are the best ever, but. You know, from an Australian, obviously, we've had our most successful Olympics ever. Um, you know, it's it's been enjoyable to see that success, you know, getting a medal in skeleton, you know, seeing curlers, like things like that, that you would never imagine we would have. So it's been exciting to kind of have that. And yeah, uh, I think it was it was unique. So I'll probably give some more thoughts on that tomorrow night. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's I have, enjoyable. I have a question. I'm sad they're over. Yes, Colin, please ask a question. Feel free to answer this question tomorrow if you feel it's better to save it for, for your answer for another day. But um, the crowds in these games, we had more spectators than Tokyo, but I'll, I'll give my opinion. Feel free to chime in if you want. To me, it felt like Tokyo was a bigger experience. And maybe it was just the athletes knowing there's nobody here. We really have to make this count. We need to be the crowd some of these events with nobody in the stands or barely anybody in the stands, it still felt like a big experience in Tokyo. And you could probably also say it is a cultural thing because a lot of the spectators, well, the spectators were all Chinese and they were definitely more reserved than a Japanese crowd would be. Uh, and Japan's still known as being reserved, but um, I think having the athletes be the sole cheering section, they really put in the extra effort in Tokyo 
which is one of the reasons that those games, even aside from Canada or Australia's success or whatever nation you are success, it kind of felt bigger than these ones. Having a small presence in the crowd, almost you noticed it more than you did having nobody in the crowd and just the athletes to support in Tokyo, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. And I'd probably agree with that for the most part, but also I think, I think it's a bit different in winter sports where the crowds don't necessarily play a bigger part. And I always kind of assume that you wouldn't feel it as much in these Olympics. And I, I think like that's a case like, yeah, okay. We don't have as many cowbells in the Alpine or, you know, the figure skating. We don't have like the big crowds or the, the ice hockey. So, yeah, but I think maybe the difference is too, as well is that channel seven didn't dub sounds over. There was no like crowd effects that they dubbed over during these Olympics. Whereas obviously mm. they did that a lot in Tokyo. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting point. Um, and and I still am on that level where like I'm kind of used to not having crowds now. But like I still felt a little bit of that in Tokyo, even though I enjoyed Tokyo, is that they didn't feel the same like Tokyo oh, and Beijing yeah. without crowds and the ceremonies and things like that. So they kind of feel like these odd Olympics, you know, where they don't feel as big and as grand as an Olympics usually do without the crowds. Um, so I... We said, I mean, it was only, what, seven, eight months ago that we had this, but, like, sincerely hope by Paris we've got crowds. <laughs> um, well, I mean, Paris would be a great Olympics to go to and have crowds in in general anyway. And Italy, obviously, was a, not to take away from Tokyo or, or, or um, Beijing with the, the population there, but, you know, I think that I think we're going to miss out if either of the next two Olympics don't have crowds. And, I mean, for God's sakes, we should have them by Los Angeles, hopefully. <laughs> I'd like to be I, at I Los mean, Angeles, it- hopefully. So, you know. Considering Canada has been under massive protests because of the government mandates on vaccination and people losing employment and stuff like that uh, because they won't get vaccinated, it, it is kind of weird that that sort of ended during these Olympics here by all the provinces basically saying, yeah, we're going to do away with the mandates and Trudeau's like left is the last man standing. Uh, but uh, that's already is sort of making me think about the fact that even here in Canada, by the summer, it's like we can have crowds again. They may change it again in the future, but it's going to be back to normal-ish. Uh, so I would think Paris would be. And, and another thing, I guess, to, to kind of end on a positive thing with Beijing, Tokyo, I feel like there were a lot more situations of, oh, more positive COVID cases coming out of Athletes Village than we had here in Beijing. And yet, two of the three hosts on the show caught COVID <laughs> by not being in Beijing. Uh, obviously they did a phenomenal job at containing this as much as they could. And we saw a lot of athletes who basically were like, yeah, I've been quarantining because I tested positive as soon as I got here or whatever. And now I barely have a chance. Elena uh, Myers Taylor being one of them uh, barely got a chance to compete. And yet somehow they contained it a lot better than Tokyo did. Tokyo though was like, they had no way to prepare. I mean, Beijing, had Tokyo as an example, but still amazing that that hasn't become a bigger deal during these Olympics, considering the amount of people you've crammed in there and allowed spectators in at the same time. Well, just two quick things. Um, it's funny, like you talk about crowds and that, because I realize like different parts of the world are, you know, different, but like Australia, we've sort of, I think, got to a point now where like, yeah, crowds cool. They're great. Bring them in. And I, I mean, I, possibly caught COVID by being in a basketball game when there was like, you know, five to 10,000 people there. So maybe that's where I got it. I don't know. But um, one thing actually that I think we've talked about, uh, which I'm actually a bit disappointed in the opening and closing ceremonies about uh, Beijing, 
China is the home of coronavirus. So where was like the cultural segment about coronavirus? Like, I mean, this is the biggest thing in the world in the last <laughs> oh, two years. <laughs> so like, they should have had Don't like... Don't call it the, the Chinese <laughs> virus. That's This is how we're going to get cancelled. No, I didn't call it the Chinese virus. I said it started in China. You just so said they're the home. Like that's going to be on the, the... You're entering Beijing, home of coronavirus. <laughs> Be prideful. It's the biggest thing in the world. It's the biggest celebrity in the world. It's coronavirus. Like, come on. Coronavirus walk down the street. You're like, oh my God, it's coronavirus. Can I have your autograph? Like, I mean, come on. So where was the cultural ceremony? Like, a little bat flies in. Um, person bites its head. It's Ozzy Osbourne. Um, goes off there. Um, I, I we, We'll do this tomorrow night, but... I just want to go. Do you want to? Do you want to hear your medal predictions to see what you got? I won't tell you if you won or not, yeah. but do you at least want to see what you got? Because um, I yeah. feel I feel like be- I was very close on. I mean, everybody was going to be close on Australia, but I feel like I was very close. Uh, for Australia, you said we would win one gold medal. You are correct on that one. Well done, good job. For silvers, you said that we would win two silvers. You got that correct. Well done. Oh. For bronzes, you said we would win two bronzes. Oh, oh, oh so, so you're one. I'm up. allowed to say this is a disappointing Olympics for a lot Australia. You're not allowed yes. to say it, Mr. New Zealander. I am. You are, yes. But I won't tell you whether you win on that or not. For Canada, do you remember what you said for Canada? Not a clue. I, I okay. feel like I said 26 for overall medals, but we'll see. For gold, you said nine. Not even close. For silver... You said <laughs> seven. You got eight. So one off. Good job there. For bronze, you said 10. You won 14. But 26 in total, you got absolutely correct. So good job. Well done. There we go. Uh, do you want to know what your guess for Norway? <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing we're all going to be very off for Norway. <laughs> okay. Well, you said that they would win 14 goals. They won 16. Woohoo. Wow. Close. Silver, you said they would win 15. They won eight. Not close. For bronze, you said they would win 16. They won 13. You said 45 in total. They got 37 in total. Not bad. Not bad. So, anyway, tune in tomorrow night to see if Colin wins the medal table guessing game because we're not going to give that away right now. Um, Colin, it has been a pleasure having you on board for most of these days. Thank you very much for all of your help and assistance and everything else along those lines. Uh, we are going to hear your voice again in a couple of weeks in one of the interviews that we recorded many months ago uh, with a summer athlete <laughs> no, from Tokyo. <laughs> so I forgot about it too. That's airing in a couple of weeks. Uh, I'll talk more tomorrow night about other interviews we've got coming. So we do have five that we banked well before Beijing that are coming up. And then, of course, also we're ultimately hoping to uh, get some of the other Beijing athletes on the show and other people on the way as well. But Colin... Thank you. Any final words before I uh, say goodbye to my COVID buddy? Uh, just, I was going to say just that uh, maybe as a gift, once you arrive in North America and I don't have to worry about shipping it overseas where it'll take six months, I will make us t-shirts to say I survived OTP 19 or, or COVID OTP or something like that. I, I would gladly wear that for a day and then probably never wear it again. <laughs> but I appreciate the thought. Uh, sportspodcastawards.com. Uh, your last chance maybe to pitch this, Colin. Come on, pitch it out. Sportspodcastawards.com. 
sportspodcastawards.com. Vote for us because we're so much better than all those shows, um, or at least we're better at garnering the votes for being an adequate show. (laughs) And let us beat the BBC and let us beat NBC, especially NBC. They don't even have time. This is why I would tell you about NBC. They don't even have time to carry the closing ceremonies or open ceremonies live. They don't care about you, the Olympic fans. We care about you. Because we have to use it on for six months. <laughs> you Colin Kurt turns into a robot right now on this rant about saying that NBC doesn't care about you. Uh, we hear robot <laughs> Colin. We don't and care about you. New Zealand has won this many medals. <laughs> I don't even. Yep. Um, this is why you should vote for Off the Podium because technical prowess is our key thing. We never have any technical issues on this show. And if we do, we always edit them out so you can never hear them and you can just hear Robot Colin. (laughs) (laughs) Vote for Off the Podium. Um, Because you don't want to vote for that peacock because they're peacocky. No? That was a two out of ten. That was a bad joke. Um, Sportspodcastawards.com. Seriously, vote for us. We're winning. Yay. Uh, like us on Facebook, follow us, Twitter, all that kind of stuff. And stay tuned. We'll have our Athlete of the Games and Metal Tally and other little cool things to wrap up the games as well. But uh, that's it. Our episode tomorrow night will be wrapping up the Olympics in general with Jared and myself. And, uh, yeah, Beijing 2022, over and done with. Another Olympics in the bag. My name is Ben. Special shout-out to Jason Momoa. Put a sock in a mountain. And remember, go left. What an episode. You loved every single second of it. It's Ben again, just quickly reminding you once again, if you want to help us win a Sports Podcast Award, sportspodcastawards.com, register to vote, click on Best Olympic and Paralympic Podcast section, listen to the other nominees, and then go, hey, off the podium's awesome. They're so good. They put in so much work and so much effort, and we just love them, and they deserve to go on the podium for once. Ben's awesome. Jared's awesome. Colin's okay, but he's also kind of awesome. We'd really appreciate it. And particularly if you've actually listened to the rest of this and ended up here, because generally I assume you've well and truly tuned out by now. But seriously, if you're at this point of the podcast, then you're a true listener. And that means that you're a true fan and you should vote for us. Sportspodcastawards.com. Do it now. We will thank you forever. Literally ever. Like every episode moving forward, we will thank you forever. Sportspodcastawards.com. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll speak to you next time on Off the Podium. I'm I'm really going to go now. Bye.